Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash radio, and you can get access to over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. while it's on my head pardon so wait how, how does one party pardon wait parting or party or is that party. how you say? as in having a little boogie speak english <laughs> <laughs> hey just because my tongue isn't defiled by your american mind i'm speaking pure concentrated english right here you're and the I'm off like, brand that you get on the store this I'm is like the, the, the real <laughs> shit I'm the ultimate middleman here. I've got the best of both worlds being Canadian. Yeah. I pollute everything that ears are in range of. But I did want to kind of throw in this tidbit. You, dude, you guys, Hiroshi Yamauchi, he, he, he bit the big one. And he, uh-huh. he passed away at, fuck, dude, at 95. I thought he was yeah. 85. Oh, 85? Is 85. it 85 or 95? 85. I, both of those are ages I don't really see myself personally hitting. <laughs> so the same boat, I people think. can be that old. Yeah, it's fucking mind boggling. Yeah, he uh, he he hit reset and the cartridge crashed. Oh, it's dark. I don't, <laughs> it's really just, dark. But really, the guy. To be honest, though, like I, I don't know. Everybody kind of takes lightly like what he contributed as far as the big ends concerned. Well, maybe, but uh, he was a little weird, though, eh? Like, Dude, uh, he was super fucking weird, because here's the thing. It's, he like, totally just, he hated gaming. Well, it no, was he weird. Didn't, <laughs> he didn't hate gaming? I don't know. What's weird is that video games weren't, like, the first direction they took Nintendo in. Like, Ooh. no, at first, like, he took this, okay, so Nintendo was this Hanafuda playing card company. I, yep. I, I don't even know what the fuck Hanafuda is. I just assume it's, it's okay. very... well. Hanafuda was designed because, like, it's illegal to gamble in in Japan, right? So Hanafuda was designed to be a card game that couldn't be used to gamble, but the Yakuza still gambled with it anyway. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. If it has a set of rules, you can add money to it. You can pretty much gamble on anything. Hell, on Rat Race, they gambled on whether or not which hooker would fall off the pole first. Yeah, you can gamble on Candyland. (laughs) Did you hear how he died? Did you hear how he died? No, how did he die? He saw the Wii U sales numbers. (laughs) 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 Zing! Jesus. And you know, the funny thing is, is I kind of wish he stuck around a little longer because I feel like Nintendo could make a real comeback if they just dipped right back in the love hotels. Because I I kind (laughs) of missed when that was a thing. (laughs) Yes. But no, you're right. Uh, he took Hanafuda cards and then he started doing like Disney playing cards in the 40s, I think. Dude, and, Duck uh, Hunt was a was a plastic toy. Yeah, that. a lot of a lot of them were just toys. No, but really though, like I I don't know about you guys, but I would I'd get in the the balloon fighter love hotel. I'd do that. I mean, isn't that what love making's all about? Balloon fighting. 
Sure. That, that why still and, and ice climbing. The weirdest sentence. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to know if any of those are still in operation. Like if they, I, I understand that they've been sold, but I kind of just want to, like, if somebody's just carrying the torch. If these are like, <laughs> there's like fucking vintage love hotels out there. Like n- near the fucking Kyoto area, like I, I don't know. Picture of Mario on the front, With... just smiling. <laughs> and then Doctor Mario at the exit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, I see. And like, here's the thing: if well, I don't know. See, Nintendo of America has this wholesome image, but I don't. I don't feel like Nintendo of Japan really does. Like, uh, what was it? I believe. Shigeru Miyamoto, like, uh, there was this story where he found out about Super Horneo Brothers, and, like, he didn't even have anything to say about it. He just fucking laughed. Like, he just <laughs> laughed at it. As we all should. <laughs> Mission accomplished, I guess. Yep. I don't know. Weirdest fucking thing, too. The dude owned the Seattle Mariners. And never attended a game. <laughs> yeah, never did shit with it. It was weird. That's why they don't exist anymore. He was like the wait. Wait, they no, they're still a thing, oh, aren't they? I'm thinking of the the Miami, the Florida Marlins. That's what I'm thinking of. They're both fish. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with M. That's well, their excuse. Japanese, they love fish. They do or, love fish. Mm, fish. Oh god. Maybe he thought he was investing in fish. Maybe that was what happened. <laughs> no, dude, he he ran that shit like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> like they fucking when they came to him, he had just some sort of like brush off answer, and then that was it. Other than that, n- nothing really much happened there and off. I don't know. This is so fucking weird to me. They turned him down when they wanted to change his name to the Seattle Whale Harpooners. Ooh, oh. I don't even know if I can say too soon yet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't feel it in my gut. Somebody, quick, make a nine eleven joke. <laughs> I've got a knock knock. Uh, nope. I, I, I already I, heard that I, one. I, I want to uh, hear it. It's a good I've one. I've come up with something, but you know, I don't think you'd think it was a bomb. Wow. Uh, is it too nineties? So it it's it's been like over ten years, but it's still September, so I feel like we're breaking some rule. <laughs> let's just make one. Let's make one next episode. Um, speaking of talking about things we were never meant to talk about, uh, we're gonna feature our, our little round table of sorts on import gaming this episode here in press pod radio episode 78 i didn't forget i didn't fuck up the number either so that's good um but yeah let's uh let's go ahead and get the show on the road guys cue applause Why applause? Why not? Do I fucking sound like a sitcom dad? Yes. <laughs> Actually. I do it for the applause. Applause, applause. 
Like I'm just some white guy that just <laughs> walks into a living room and then everybody just claps and there's still credits rolling <laughs> at the bottom of the screen. You are the Bob Saget of the internet. I'm, I'll have to say that. What? That I'm actually scummier than I look. Uh, I, I don't think it's. I don't think he's bitter enough to be Bob Saget yet, though. No, that's a bridge that fucking crossed a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, it's so weird seeing him in in, in things though. The thing I just don't get though, because I, I I don't. Okay, so I don't even really like How I Met Your Mother. Never really, like the first two seasons. Yeah, I, I enjoyable, but I just I don't fucking get the whole point of narration with him. As the dude, the older dad versus the guy who's actually him. Like, it all plays out like an America's Most Wanted reenactment. Like, just <laughs> like, if you're gonna fucking have the dude, like, be Bob's, like, let Bob Second play both roles. It's just, it's just jarring to me that I'm hearing two different voices. It's, it's horseshit, to be completely Perhaps honest. Also, the most long-winded bedtime story I've ever heard. He's going into all these subplots and seasons and stuff just say tell his children about like all the horrible things that fucking doogie hauser did when he was a perv (laughs) yeah just i am going to corrupt your innocence on this one night children you asked me a simple question you weren't really interested in but now you're gonna get my whole life story from his kids are like teenagers (laughs) by now aren't they yeah. yeah, isn't he just continuing the story though? Like, I don't think it's being told all in one night. I think. I think uh, even if the, even if that's the case, that's like how many episodes and how he's been stuck <laughs> on this the same bedtime story for about a year, just continuing. And they're like, "Hey, Dad, can you read uh, some Doctor Seuss or something?" No, you will hear about the time that I had sex with someone who I wasn't supposed to, causing drama. I think he's just like the master of temporal distortion, and he's created a an infinite time loop in which he can, you know, spout out everything he needs to say without actually, um, you know, the, without the problems of aging. So yeah. you're saying that Bob Saget is Lavos. Yes. He will I'm destroy us all in 1999. Bob Saget is Elizabeth of Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And they both have like really overrated careers in their, in their respective industry. Dang. Uh, that's that's great. Oh man, Sweet which did anybody really? Did anybody catch that alternate ending to Last of Us? Man, what, I did. What, yeah, what what kind of hyped up shit was that? It was hilarious, but it was just so funny because I could only imagine like every major press outlet like just getting super fucking stoked, and they totally committed to it. And then once they like were building up all the pressers and everything to post it and publish it on their site, and they just finished the video, I was just like, well, fuck. We kind of committed. We just got to just post it now. I, I would fully want that as an unlockable ending, though. That'd be freaking sweet. If it was like fully modeled in game, I think that'd be awesome. I would have loved. I loved that. it. It was and great. It's weird because video games don't really have alternate endings because you can actually put an alternate ending in a game as a choice or something. So it's weird that there's that someone would try and make an ending to a game that would be fully. You know, fully done and animated and whatnot, and then they'd go with something else. Because normally you'd just put that as a side thing. I'm almost kind of mad that, like, things like alternate endings exist, because, like, I don't know. That, that's how spoiled we are and, and, and entitled we are to our fucking, fur, like, our, our, our media. Because, for example, the, the Karate Kid remake with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith, 
The alternate ending kicks so much more ass than the actual ending, and yet I have to live knowing that that's not the ending. You also have to live knowing that you watched that movie. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> but still, that movie's not that bad. It was just, it was, it, it should have been called the Kar- Karate Kid. It should have been called Kung Fu. Or it is. It's cool. It is. Um, I think in some countries it is also is it is actually called the Kung Fu Kid. Is it really? Yeah, I yeah, think cause... in China it's called Kung Fu Kid. <laughs> that would make absolute sense considering the sentiment that those two uh, neighboring nations share towards one another. Um, but yeah, karate is a Japanese martial art form, and Mr. Miyagi and fucking Daniel San, they're, they're super Japanese. So Jackie Chan is super not Japanese, and Kung Fu is respectively not Japanese as well. <laughs> So I, I, don't, I don't know. Technically, isn't Crane a kung fu style, not a karate style? So the movie was incorrect in the beginning in the first place. Crane is a bird. Well, it's a style of kung fu, isn't it? You're a bird. That's the most like weirdly childish thing. Well, you're a bird. <laughs> Anyway, hey, so we got Stevie on the show. He doesn't come on the show often. It's because yeah. he's, uh, speaking of birds, he's probably hearing a bunch over the bay of wherever, whatever foggy United Kingdom town he, he lives in. We still don't know. Yeah, I'm recording this at the moment. I am uh, in a stovepipe hat wandering the cobblestone streets of London, <laughs> um, uh, searching out for the latest traits of Saucy Jack. Oh, man. Remember when we exhausted all the Canadian stereotypes? <laughs> Ah, uh, that's what we've resorted to. Oh man. Well, I'm I'm so happy though that you're on the show. I really am. Cause, uh, Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, because it's it, I I just feel awful that we make you like a review monkey, and then you don't come on the show as often as we'd like you to. I'm so. free anytime you'd like me to be on. Be on. I'd be there with bells on. There we go. Bell, bells don't make the best radio though. Just... Yeah, I had to. I had to take them off for this episode. I was asked. I'm very upset. <laughs> Sound like I'd a just... wind chime. Yeah, if that's because it adds more to the nature of the podcast, you can feel like right. this is being recorded in a sunny field, or or somebody thinks that they're giving away charity. We, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of charity, we also have James on the show. Hey, <laughs> 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 How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm doing all right, I suppose. <laughs> James, you are one of my favorites. I do enjoy. <laughs> I do love having you on the show. I really do. Who else are you gonna just, argue with? I mean, come on now. <laughs> this is true. This is totally true. But um, yeah. Hey, so we we got we got tons of stuff to talk about and whatnot. Plus, I think James is the only other person to fucking play Grand Theft Auto Five. So I'm fucking glad you're on the I show. <laughs> Oh, all right. There we go. Everybody, everybody. Well, I have, I have not. So there's that. But I don't really want to. So you can go ahead and say what you need to. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Sarah, I'm pretty sure you can pilot an aircraft, and I think you can shoot out of it while piloting it. So yeah, really mm-hmm. badly. The planes are awful. <laughs> well, I mean, so you're you're almost. It's almost there. You can pretty much steal every vehicle in the game. So if they, if there's if it's not an aircraft you want to drive, if you want to drive a tractor. And, uh, are there hot air balloons? Are there hot air balloons? I haven't gotten that fucking far yet. You can fly. Yeah, if you have the download code, you can fly the, uh, the blimp. 
Uh, that's a dirigible. It's not the same ball. thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? That is the most semantical fucking bullshit I've heard yet. What, what is the difference between a dirigible and a blimp? I'm guessing that a dirigible has a cockpit and a blimp has well, a basket. Nah, see, the thing is, is that we were talking about hot air balloons. They're not the same thing as a blimp. I'm sorry. Well, no. And, no, no, no. Or a dirigible. Sorry, a hot air balloon has a basket. There you have. A dirigible has a cockpit. Well, yes, okay, and what, and what does a blimp have? A blimp, blimp is has a dirigible, like I imagine. A rigid airship. I love the idea to someone listening to this and realizing that this video game podcast has become a debate on air-based travel. <laughs> oh, you should be on the show more often. So wait, hold on. What did, what, aero, wait. Aerostatic. Uh, aer- aero travel something, blah, blah, blah. So what, was, what, what would you call the blimp in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I don't know. I don't remember the blimp. So, okay, earlier I was kind of Probably like, a rigid airship. There we go. All right. I just, I just, what do you call the Final Fantasy airships? Fictional. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, earlier before we started recording the podcast, my girlfriend like was so excited. To wait, wait, hold me. on. I've I've got a better answer for that. Ask me about the Final Fantasy ones again. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is like somebody wearing a small shirt and asking them, "Say my name's David Banner and tell me you just slashed my tires." Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, this, no, okay. This is not gonna end well. No, it's not. Hey, Sarah. What yes. kind of what would you call a Final Fantasy airship? Too literal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was worth it. All right, okay. that was good. I'm on board. So earlier, before we started recording, um, my girlfriend was just so excited to show me the surprise that uh, she she made us wait a little bit just so I can get on, and the guy the guy has heard me shouting in the background. So I've been wanting these this tiger uh, bedspread setup and I get like a tiger striped bed setup and and they're really expensive so uh her the inner porn star huh yeah yeah but I really I love tigers I just I love fuck you guys I just love tigers (laughs) tigers are my favorite animal this would be more this would make more sense if you had bought a tiger electronics bedspread ah there you go there's a fun compromise just yes. sleep on that, sleep on that fucking sunburnt screen of Simon's Quest. It's just, it's just made out of LCD panels. <laughs> <laughs> Have a picture taken of you lying down on your bed so you can superimpose it. Like when you play a Tiger Electronics game, you can kind of see the other sprites. You can have an <laughs> actual bed. I would fly one like Sam Jones, like fucking Flash status. I would, I would jump on top of it and just fly it like a. Oh man, like like the the way little Nemo flies on his bed. There we go. We'll make that I think, happen. I think oh, you should be able to yeah. go into a grown-up hotel and ask for a bed that is also a race car. I don't see why we've stopped doing <laughs> that as adults. I think if you go to one of those Nintendo Love hotels, you could get the Excite Bike room and <laughs> they just line up. It's probably a Mario Kart. Oh yeah, probably a Mario Kart. Yeah. More than likely, yes. Nowadays, then, yeah. I could only imagine what kind of finish a uh, blue spike shell would lead to, though. Um, no, but anyway, so these bedspreads are pretty expensive. So uh, her idea, her DIY idea was to buy zebra bedsheets <laughs> <laughs> and then dye them. Oh, my goodness. Well, you see, it, it, could, it could have just been left white and, you know, Siberian tiger. 
No, uh, that do I do I look like a magician? Yes. So is there exactly. a price differential between zebra and tiger? About sixty to seventy dollars. What the <laughs> hell? It's not like it's made of a tiger belt. Come on. I love the idea of someone marking up the bed prices or someone going, "Hey, how much should we make these two animal prints cost? We'll make that one sixty dollars more than the other one because more people like tigers." At some point, somebody decided to bottle mark uh, bottle water and they marketed this idea. And look at where we're at now. So. Um, but yeah, no, she tried dyeing it orange, and then she was showing it to me in the washer machine, and did, the orange didn't survive the wash. Uh-huh. So I, I just couldn't help. I applauded her efforts. I sincerely did, but she, I, I feel <laughs> awful. She looked so crushed, and she was trying to do something so sweet for me. Uh, I guess I'm going to have zebra bed, uh, bed sheets until I fucking pony up the cash. <laughs> oh, man. You'll be upgrading to Tiger. Yeah, real soon, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, uh, I'd like to up- upgrade my bed. <laughs> Can I? I'd like to trade in my zebra bed sheets. Yeah, I'd like to in? trade it in for the tiger model. <laughs> we can uh, give you thirteen dollars for it. Yeah, it's like go. not as much as when you paid for it. It's like fuck you. I'm sorry. Uh, we can't. We can't accept your zebra sheets. Uh, I'm sorry. It seems that there's a. They they've been defiled in some way. Which, you know, <laughs> hey, these, these were never open. There's just a small stain. There's such a thing as secondhand, but you've taken that too literally, sir. Oh, oh I get it. Well I played. get it. Well played. All right, guys, let's let's talk let's talk video games. Alright, so where do we start? Where do we start? Sega? How about Sega buying Atlas? Well, how about that? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm happier It's how I'm happier about it when I heard about the other option might have been. I heard Nintendo might buy them, and I was really upset if that was going to happen. Wait, hold on. Why would that be the case? Why would that be the case of Nintendo buying them, or why would I be upset? Why would you be upset? Because then everything would... It wouldn't leave Nintendo. I don't want Persona 5 on the Wii U. I don't want anything yes. on the Wii. I don't want anything on the Wii U. To be completely honest. Uh, to be fair, I think that Sega are more likely to release their games um, outside of Japan than Nintendo would be. No, this is true. I mean, we saw what happened with Fatal Frame Four, right? Yeah. Yeah. But hey, Nintendo did publish fucking Xenoblade. Yeah, but then they didn't publish Last Story, and then they didn't publish uh, that other one, Pandora's, Pandora's Tower. Tower. Those were- those were both handled by Exceed, but they were uh, co-developed internally by Nintendo. At least they allowed it to be, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, with you know enough public pressure. But even then, it's Nintendo I, being friggin' stupid. When you look at it that way, I wholeheartedly agree because, I mean, look at the way the Mother series has been handled. Where... Ex- well, there you go. That's a perfect example. Yeah, and like I've never really known Sega to really. There's there's not a lot of Japanese exclusives uh, when it comes to Sega publish or develop that I can think of. Like I it, mean, it, a it, load of stuff for the Sega Saturn never made it stateside, but that was the Sega Saturn. It didn't have a lot over here in general. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't really say the same thing about the Dreamcast or the Mega Drive. Oh, no, no. Or those Genesis, I should say. Well, like, really... They, you know, there were always some games that never made it, but more Although, or less... Although, ir- ironically, though, the Mega Drive uh, and or the Genesis was most popular in the U.S. This is true. Which is weird. It, it kind of, like... That's the same thing, because, like, the Saturn was super popular in Japan, and then oh, the yeah. Dreamcast was more of an American system again. In fact, the Saturn was still being supported during the Dreamcast, so... Well, the uh, Saturn, it just had loads of shmups, which was basically mm. what people were sort of buying it for in Japan. Although, with that said, I mean, the uh, the Dreamcast being released in 99 in the US, anyway, uh, the final game on the Sega Saturn was, in fact, Radiant Silvergun in 1998. That's no, wasn't there right, that, huh? like, really shitty Final Fight game that was released, mm. like, super late? It's a 3D no, one, too. If it, if it was, it was unofficial. No, it's it's an official. Well, maybe I don't have the release dates right again. Um, yeah, I mean, it could have been the same year though, right? So yeah, who knows? I'll I'll have to look it up. I just remember it was previewed in an EGM, and I and I thought to myself, man, why, what what's the could point? Could also have been unreleased too. No, I did I did follow up that it was released. It, it was it was basically it was a preview for a Japan release that may appear Northern Shores, but they were just like, but yeah, like. It's not like they're still releasing stuff for the Saturn, so that was like EGM's approach on it anyway. But it's back in the day, anyway. But yeah, I, th- I, I, see, I think I, Sega will let Atlas do what they want, do what they do, and not try to interfere, interfere too much. I think Nintendo would interfere a little bit too much with the process. I kind of want to know what the status of that Shin Megami Tensei Cross Fire Emblem game is now, though, because that was like a big fucking trump card in Nintendo's like upcoming 2014 uh, calendar. So I yeah, wonder see, if that. The- that's the weird thing because Sega will sometimes have like a baffling Western release where you're just like, really, you putting this out there? Like Project Diva is something I wouldn't expect in America, you know, at all. But and I don't think it would be with Nintendo. But for some reason, Sega, maybe even to a fault, have released a load of really Japanese titles. As you know, there's also Project Cross Zone, which did the same thing. Like, nobody thought that was going to come stateside. Well, yeah, it's because its prequel never came, which, you know, I don't know. And it's weird because a lot of people really bagged on the prequel, but then the sequel barely expanded on the mechanics. Basically, they added super moves and added an additional brand. And then everybody's just like, oh, it's all right. It's cool. It's fan servers. Fuck yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. Uh, I played I a demo Project around. Eva, and I really want to play more of that fucking game. I'll tell you that, that damn. It, it is deceptively good. Like, that game is better it is. than it has any right to be. Oh, I mean, it's man. kind of the most weeabooey game you could ever imagine, but <laughs> it looks fun. <laughs> like, I might be just a little bit embarrassed when playing it, because there's this little... Uh, well, yeah, it's super fucking with, lollycon, but I mean... With what JRPG isn't lollycon nowadays... There, there's some Lolita shit especially going on. Especially coming in, from, coming from uh, NIS. Especially, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. I just kind of want to know what's going on with Persona Five. That's all I want to know. What's going on? Yeah. But James, don't you know they're releasing all these characters to Persona Four Arena, and there's gonna be a sequel? And didn't you fucking just know? Don't care. You know what though? When I played Persona 4 Arena, no shit. It only made me want to play uh, Persona 4 again. That's all it made me do. It's really good. I don't know. I mean, we tried. Uh, a, it was so it. drawn out though. 
Yeah, it's yeah. an all right fighting game. I mean, the systems in it are all right and everything, and it's it's gorgeous to look at. But the its story's... exhibition modes are re- ridiculously long. Yeah, I mean, if you play the story mode, how long is the story mode? Like, it's a ridiculously long amount of time to complete the like, story mode. Yeah, right? you'll, you'll be there clicking through text for a half an hour. Then you'll go through a one-round fight and then another half-hour of text. And then yes. you can get the basic gist of the story mode by playing through the arcade mode in ten minutes. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Japan. <laughs> Japan. I, Japan. I don't understand where Sega's getting all this money from. Because I, so I'm a bit in tune with Sega news because throughout this year for Sega Addicts, I've been just writing depressing news story after depressing news story. So you kind of got it in that Sega are on a bad track record lately. And then they pull stunts like this where I'm just like, how, how are you getting your money? All of your releases this year have pretty much been I don't flops. I think they bought Strat- Atlas at a really high price, to be honest. Mm, because no. like the dudes... Okay, so was... the company that owned Atlas was Index... I yeah. believe index and index corp. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, that's a company made of like 400 employees. They had like what? 10 subsidiaries. And really all they had was Atlas. So <laughs> that was the, the main one. Uh, they sold for 140 million. Yeah. That's fucking it's not cheap. very much. Yeah. And they're, not, I mean, um, what's their biggest not selling much, game? But it's still, it's still like, I'm still imagining it as this crazy drunk guy whose student loan just <laughs> came in and now he spent all his money. I'm telling you right now, Fantasy Star 2 is fucking making some pretty hefty cash microtransaction wise to probably justify a move like that. And I would say, I would say also their, uh, digital releases as of late, like their, uh, uh, AM2 fighting series, uh, the Knights re-release. Uh, None of those like, have really uh, been commercially successful, though. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it would be enough, though. I mean, they don't have to worry about overhead, shipping, uh, physical media or anything like that. But they're also losing money because all of their big, big games and set pieces um, have been failing and in other ventures they've been doing. So I I just don't see them. It's just weird to me. What was the last big release that they did was like Binary Domain? And then that didn't make that didn't make any money. money as it needed to, though. And they did Haneke Reigns this year, but. Because of their own fault, I mean, Sega have a lot of problems. They don't really advertise the games that need to be advertised. So well, they also maybe... published Colonial Marines, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. I think that also think... lost them a lot of like critical cred from just. Yeah. Did that. Sega publish that? Though I know that was under Gearbox. Yeah. No. We'll... Se- Sega have um, all the rights to Aliens Media right now. That's why they do their Alien versus Predator as well. But okay, so besides the fact that it sucked, it still sold a whole bunch of copies. Oh yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, sold really well. Well, I think not that only was the that, like, because that's the only game they made this year that sold really well. Like, Anarchy Reigns was brilliant, and that didn't sell anything. No, pipe your tongue. That fucking game was awful. I, uh, I liked Anarchy Reigns. The online mode is really fun. Yeah, it's fun until I don't know. It's so inclusive. I had, I was so unimpressed with that. I really wanted that game to be good too. I really did, but I don't the know. The single player mode is really bad, but I think the multiplayer is really fun. God, what was the what was the platinum game that was like right after Anarchy Reigns? Because I remember I was talking about it too. I think uh, like you could tell all the effort. Like Anarchy Reigns was kind of like a just like a side side thing. Man, I had to... Oh, the wonderful 101 was a platinum game. Well, yeah, before that one. Though. That was very recent, though. Uh, after Anarchy Reigns, it was... 
trying to think. Vanquish was before Anarchy Reigns. Yeah, it was. It was Mad World, Bayonetta, Vanquish. No, no, it was right after fucking Anarchy Reigns. Hold on, I'll I'll look it up. Shit. Oh, uh, Metal Gear Rising. Yeah, Yeah. Metal Gear Rising. Yeah, 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 Metal Metal Gear Rising is is the shit. Metal Gear Rising was amazing. God, really, those were still one of my favorite games this year. I will take your word for it. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) You wait, you still haven't played it? I will probably never play it. Well, probably like beat it in two sittings. It's a really short game, but it's so action packed. It's amazing. Wait, Uh, I mean, I I love I love Platinum Vanquish is one of my favorite games of this generation, but I don't. I'm not. I don't care for Metal Gear very much. Oh, James. It's not really a Metal Gear game though, because I'm not a Metal Gear fan. I haven't played another Metal Gear game, and I could still get into it. Like it's not stealthy at all. I think it's no, almost... it, it is though. If you want it to be, that's a weird thing. I, I will go with Stevie there. Like, it can be a Metal Gear game for you if you're into Metal Gear because it does that. But at the same time, the beauty of it is it's like it, the story isn't so insane. Like, it's weird. It balances the two out. Like, the story is really weird, and some it, it's like someone's trying to turn children into robots or something. I never yeah. really got it. I don't know, but I I really enjoyed it. But hey. Index was uh, caught cooking their books, so oh. for accounting and stuff like that. So yeah, like I said, they didn't really buy Atlas for a ton of cash. But well, like I said, like what was their like one of their most successful games was Catherine, and it only sold like barely even. I don't even think it hit a million copies. No, it was a fantastic game though, wasn't it? It was a good game, except for I playing mean, it. I, I liked it, except for the playing it part. Alice are actually really smart with their releases, though, because they'll recognize when they have when something is niche. So they can say, oh, Persona doesn't really get that many players in North America. We'll only do a select bunch. And they for that, for, you know, that kind of works. So, yeah, they make less sales, but they also have less copies of any game that they do. And that's why Atlas games are also rare and stuff. I think the last release that they did was Shin Megami Tensei 4. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember anything else. And then they did Persona, uh, Persona 4 Golden. And yeah, both of those were... Oh, wait, no, they did Dragon's Crown as well. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was I, the last I, I want to know how well Persona 4 Golden actually sold. Because I know, I know it like picked up it picked up uh, sales for the Vita in America a yeah, little it bit. It's the reason yeah. I bought a Vita. The reason I bought a Vita. <laughs> I'm still playing through that game. Still. I bought it for Persona 4. It played way too much Hot Shots Golf. <laughs> and that's the that's thing with everybody. Game. Yeah. Did, did not uh, pick up on Hot Shots, but uh, I'm near the end of Gravity Rush and I can't stop playing uh, Rimmed uh, Pixel as well as I cannot stop playing Super Crate Box. I'm actually playing my Vita more for PlayStation Mobile games, weirdly enough. It's, I think uh, the Vita is coming the system for indie games as well. There's, like, they do stuff like Lone Survivor and Hotline Miami. They're just putting everything on the. Oh, uh, yeah. Sony. I've been playing the fuck out of some Dive Kick, too. I already talked yeah, exactly. about that. Yeah, exactly. That's another game you wouldn't expect to really be on it. No, they've got like I just found out Octodad's coming out in the PS4. That really uh surprised me. That is a weird move. But yeah, weird. Sony's just like they're just embracing it. Yeah. And I think they're doing what essentially what Xbox did, what Microsoft did, but without the horrible restrictions that they had. So everyone's going, Well now there's no need to go on XBLA now because we don't want our thing on the Xbox One anyways. Yeah, but now they've kind of li- they lifted a lot of restrictions too. So, hey yeah. guys, you want to know what else we can talk about? That's fucking weird. How about that Steam controller? How about Steam? Uh, blah. Oh god. Blah. 
Wait, so, Steam controller is about the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a very, very I, long I still, time. Still, like, I, I kind of read into it a little bit, and I still don't fully understand how it's supposed, like, how it's supposed to work in execution. Okay, well, well I, I can, I can explain it pretty easily. Remember Super Mario sixty four DS? Remember how you could use the yeah. touchscreen as kind of an analog controller? Same deal, except it's with a couple of touchpads on an actual controller. But here's the thing: uh, with me specifically, if I use a trackpad for too long. My fingers get a little too grippy, and it feels like uh, the tips are going to fall off. Like it's, it's almost like they're splitting, and I know they're not splitting, but it's kind of how it makes my fingers feel. So that controller is going to be a piece of shit for me. And it has no, it has no feedback. How do you know? I, I mean, when you push an analog stick forward, you know how far you can go forward on it because it stops moving, and you know that that's the maximum speed you can move with the analog stick. The well, trackpad. Allegedly, they've got some kind of advanced, quote-unquote, haptic feedback within the controller that vibrates in different directions. And why are the buttons on both sides of the middle of the controller? Because <sighs> the trackpads also both click in like a button. So for simplified controls, you're already there. See, what I don't understand, the way they, the concept was explained to me is, like, when James is mentioning the lack of feedback, somebody uh, countered that, it would have the feedback of, like, with a mouse, except with your whole hand, like, over a peripheral object, it would be your thumb against the surface. So if you were to use, like, the, the I guess, the muscle memory uh, perspective of a mouse just with your thumb against the pad, I, I guess it makes sense. I just, I don't know, people who used it are, are saying it's good. That's the weird thing. See, I don't know, because I think it's going to have a lot to do with the way I already held a controller anyways. Like, if I had never played a video game, I think I might be all right with it, but just because I'm sort of mentally used to thumbsticks and the idea of having that sort of feel, it might feel a bit weird to play because of that. So I don't really know if maybe they're going for a newer audience that doesn't really use thumbsticks. Stevie, I don't appreciate you being closed-minded at the fact that we can use Wally's head as a controller, okay? (laughs) I I don't like that. Come on. Or, or it could be a couple. I don't know. The I, the first thing I thought of was like mini calypso drums. It kind of like, looks like a weird iPod dock. Yeah, it's really fucking weird looking. But I'm 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 totally willing to give it a shot. I mean, I can't. I can't. Like the back it looks of like you can drop PSD, the bass. Yeah. Somebody photoshopped John Cusack holding it like a boombox in the Say It Ain't So movie poster. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that that's my favorite so far. I'd love to hold one of those controllers outside a window like the end of that movie. Yeah, and like they had the controller upside down and it's eerie. It's pretty eerie. I mean, um, I, I, can't, I can't give a final estimation on it until I actually hold it in my hands and use it for something. But I don't like the look of it, I'll tell you that much. Well, remember when everybody looked at the Wiimote controller and the nunchuck and we were like, Nope! Fucking uh-uh! Actually, so. I was okay with that. Yeah, I was okay with the nunchuck and the Wiimote. I was not when I first looked at it. I'm just like, yeah, well, fuck Nintendo. And then I'm just like, I take it all back. Pretend I never said anything. (laughs) So what that means is that you're going to despise this new one. Uh, I'm probably going to check out the Steam Controller. I'm just curious about it. But what were the other big Steam announcements? There's also Steam on Linux. and Uh, Yeah, the uh, Steam OS, which is its its own version of Linux. Yeah, which is really weird. 
I, I still don't imagine how that's going to operate smoothly, considering that... Uh, well, I mean, Linux is a pretty solid operating system. It's just not supported very well, that's all. Well, yeah, but Steam is made up of several different... Like, Steam barely operates on Mac OS, because Steam proprietarily operates on, like, all these different Microsoft yeah. drivers, and, like and also and and, 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 and also... And also, Apple is really, really stingy when it comes to actually supporting stuff that's not its own shit. Yep. That's well, the, App- that's the Apple MO, right? It's just how it is with Apple. So, yeah, no wonder it doesn't work. The thing with Linux is, though, is that you have to be a super genius to be able to use it. So I kind of feel like the people who use it would already have found a way to have Steam, you know? Well, I mean, through actual steam-powered computer. Valve is yeah. not going to make Valve is not going to make the OS hard to use. They're going to put their own flourishes and UI on top of it to where it's going to be easy to use for people who don't know how to use it. So you're not I I doubt you're going to be using the Steam OS and inputting crap into command line all the time like you do with any other version of Linux. It's just Linux is free to develop for, so they just develop their own version of Linux. There's Steam machines that are going to be using the Steam OS. I don't think I think they're just going to be used for streaming stuff. They're not going to be used for at least at right now for like an actual OS that the that it's its own machine. I think it's just for streaming your stuff from your big computer to your to your TV. Yeah, I just and what what was it? Uh, Steam's also kind of got like this meta contest going on where they're just like, if you do these things, like if you do big screen and use a controller and have your account set up this way, you could be one of the eligible contestants to. Possibly, it's a it's a number three hundred to beta test the Steam boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't like when we first saw the XI three and saw like the price point and like how that's an entry level fucking setup. Like I don't know, unless they can kind of pull off what the Ouya is doing and do it successfully. I I personally think that Steam's doing just fine where it is and on the on the PC market. See, I think they're kind of trying to slowly ha- have their own console. Like, they're not going to do it all at once. They're going to go, oh, okay, we'll give you a controller, we'll give you all this other stuff, and then they'll just say, oh, and now we have the hard drive or whatever for it, and it's this big console-looking thing, or the Steam box or whatever, and then suddenly we'll have, oh, Steam had a console, and we didn't even notice because they did it so gradually. I think they're trying to maybe do something like that, like have a console without really making a big deal about it somehow. Well, they nailed the, the controller. I will say that. Man, it was a fucking amazing design. Yeah. Well, what what I think they're actually trying to do is I think they're trying to bring big like big gaming PCs to an understandable level so that people who don't know how to build them themselves or understand it can use it. Because I know how to build it, but they're expensive as hell. And if I can have a, a, a machine that is built specifically for everything on the Steam library... And it's easily upgradable. I would, if I had a Steam machine that I could use to play everything on my Steam list, I would probably not play very many console games, if any at all. If I want them to be successful in this, I want a Steam. I want them to create the Steam box that's easily upgradable. I mean that 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 could bring an end to consoles if they do it successfully. So I mean, I'm interested to see where this goes. Is it but true again, that, that that to build a computer like a really successful computer you got to be mostly naked to do it i've always been curious about that uh, no, I, no i do it all the time yeah. no, but people actually do that though right 
Some do. Yeah. It's it's a fear of having static discharge damage your components. That's all it is. But you can buy like a five dollar bracelet that plugs into the grounding line of a of a wall socket, and you're safe. No, the best the best the best way to do it is um because you have to be really careful when you mount the mount the um uh, CPU and the fan on top of the CPU. So the best yeah. way to do it is to actually just uh, straddle the top of your computer and rest your balls on top of the fan, which puts enough pressure down so that it doesn't hurt anything. I don't know, see, because Andrew built his PC and, you know, where that fucking is as far as the situation, so I don't know. Yeah, but I also built my brother-in-law's PC and it's held up remarkably for the four years he's had it. Hmm. And I built my buddy's PC and it's it works out fine. I mean, it's all, it all as long as you're careful with the components and you know what you're doing, actually, even if you don't know what you're doing, if you just look at a a YouTube video, you can build a computer fairly easily. I gave a list of stuff that I wanted in my Alienware PC, and they're like, sure, we'll do it. Give us money. And that, that's that's my story. It kind of concerns me, though, having one company for all of your gaming needs. Like, as much as I don't like the efforts of Microsoft at the best of times, I like that they exist so Sony has competition. They can't do exactly what they want whenever. I like the fact that there are other games in town. So I, I'd kind of be concerned if... The Steambox did kill consoles in other ways to get games. Well, I mean, with that said, though, I've always felt that, uh, you know, Steam has already had a console, and that's a PC, and you can hook that up to your TV and use an Xbox controller mm-hmm. and whatever. And to that end, you've also got other services like Gamersgate and Desura and many, many more that offer different games uh, with different libraries, different prices, uh, and and so on and so forth. So, I don't think gaming as uh, as a business is going to become monopolized as much as uh, as a Steambox might indicate. No, I think if anything, Steambox just makes it more convenient for all those people who are just like, "Boy, I wish yeah. I could do Steam." Yeah. And- or you know, you could buy a three hundred dollar mini tower and you know do Steam. Ah. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's a stretch. I mean, there's... Yeah, not a $300. I mean, yeah, I could do... Most indie games will run. Most Actually, indie Actually, 99.9, and I mean, that's where all the, good, the goodness is, right? So I, I can't play Witcher 2 on a $300 mini tower. This is true. I have Witcher 2 on Steam. James is right. Weirdly. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, no. Um, I think if you want, like, a competent uh, hardware setup for Steam, yeah, you're, you're looking at, like, at least under a grand... Yeah, just um, I think I think I'm looking at uh, I can build a competent PC for about about six to seven hundred dollars, so around the price of a new console. Yeah, I my PC because it does several other things and it like it could split the Red Sea if I fucking input the right command prompt to do it. Um, yeah, it, that this thing fucking ran me like twenty six hundred dollars. So, yeah, I mean, but now I know that I can do everything that Steam does. So yeah, I don't I don't have an interest in I I, I do have my Steam box. <laughs> it does other things too. So I don't know. I think I think the idea of Steam box, I see, like, I see the direction of you know where it can go. But considering that it would be very binary in in what it does, especially in the alternative of like, hey, just upgrade your PC and. And like you guys mentioned, it's really easy to honestly upgrade your PC. I, I just feel like it's going to be a neat experiment that's going to be deemed superfluous. Right, that's not how you say that. Superfluous uh, in the end. I'm really fucking tired. But anyway, arbitrary. There we go. Fuck it. We'll just say that. Arbitrary. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I, I think especially with the ease and accessibility of getting high-end hardware, 
and even then like newegg.com makes it really cheap fucking i mean there's so many ways to really get a good setup and and you can even do it through installments like as funny as it sounds buying a new computer is and and getting a really good one that's going to run your needs is almost like buying a car and if you go and and fucking finance it and find the right parts you can really get what you're looking for and there's probably a chance there's someone in your friends and family that would do it all for free for you anyways because they know how to do this stuff like computer gaming is like well pc gaming in particular is so popular that a lot of people have learned how to build computers just because it's a good way for them to not have consoles so i feel like there's a good chance that anyone really could have access to a person who would help them along with this stuff for free almost unless you're an orphan in which case then stevie apologizes Unless you're an orphan and you don't know anyone at all, then I'm really sorry that you got abandoned on a Victorian doorstep and that you can't have the Steam box. <laughs> of course it has to be Victorian. Of course. Of course. Let's right. think the only way that pe- babies were on doorsteps is in Victorian times. That's how I picture it. I picture nun, nuns and church steps. Yeah. I wonder if people do that, still put babies on doors. These well, days, the fire station. Annoyed. They did in the Super Mario Brothers movie, so I imagine it's still going. Oh, Christ. <laughs> say, that's, a, that's a good way to judge reality, mm-hmm. is the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's a historical chronicle right there. I. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> anyway. It did, have, it did have evolution in it, this mm. weird theory of how it. Jesus Christ, let us not add more depth <laughs> to that fucking movie <laughs> than it actually has. <laughs> Do you remember the fungus makes a shield for Mario for no reason? Because it's somehow the king's consciousness has gone into the goo. Jesus, Stevie, you should have been on the commentary episode, man. That would have been fucking hilarious. There was a cinema in London that did a big screening of it this year, like on the big screen. Well, yeah, it's its 20th anniversary. We we recorded commentary for the movie for our anniversary. That movie is insane. It's a classic. It is. No. With very heavy air quotes. How do we how do we translate the Goombas to the big screen? I know. Let's make them really tall, have suits, and just have these weird fucking scary heads on. I'm gonna put Walk the Dinosaur in this episode now. (laughs) Fuck you, Sarah. Yes. Uh, Yes. Yes. I hate everyone. All right. Hey. You dick. Just in any game anymore. So excited now. Ah, let's just uh, let's go ahead and go with what's in your console. Let's go ahead and get the uh, big elephant out of the room because er- everybody but Sarah 
has been playing this game. So fuck it, let's just talk about it. Grand Theft Auto Five, which by terrible, the by, terrible, it's, yeah, it's overrated. It's the worst um, game ever. I don't know why. Everyone. Can't imagine how it sold over eight hundred million dollars worth of units in less than twenty four hours and set a world record in video games. Don't. It's when you. It's that point when you realize like gaming isn't as it used to be. It's not like this special club anymore. When a game has made that much money in its first hours, you realize, oh, gaming is bigger than I ever thought of or remembered it being. And because it's, it's got boobies. That's oh, yeah, it's fucking horrible boobies. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. It, here's the thing too. Like that that budget was like it was two hundred and fifty million dollars, and Jesus Christ, they made it back within twenty four hours. Like that's unheard of. I I I kind of have this weird feeling by the end of September, like by next week that like units if we were to look at like fucking ra numbers that it would it would be over in the in just just north of a billion it's done insanely well wait it's already a billion it it hit a billion it hit a billion three days in for a game like this to be sold out like you how many copies did they make they probably made so many yet people are already being sold out of them so it's so weird it beat the Codblops record. It's now the new record holder. Yeah, and we're we're not even in the holidays. That's like another thing. Like I, I would not be surprised if you know last gen consoles like 360 or or a PS3 will have a Grand Theft Auto 5 bundle. I'm almost confident that that that's gonna be arranged somehow. If not even directly by Sony or Microsoft, by some sort of retailer who's there's gonna get the already a, a bundle. Yeah, they're already but and it's so weird that there are bundles for a consoles that's essentially ending. So people might be just buying these consoles to play this game, even though it's nearly the end of the generation. Ah, oh, and like it's weird. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I have to say this though. I'm not too far in, but one thing that really and like I don't know, color me stupid, but with the trend that I've noticed this past week since Five is launched. It's like, it's almost been like this sort of coming out of the closet moment. Ever since 5 has come out, everybody's just coming out and like, man, Grand Theft Auto 4 with such horse shit. Yeah, fuck that game. Why did we even like that game? And to be honest, I, I mean, I'm, I can draw a parallel towards like a lot of the mechanics being a lot smoother. But to be fair, I mean, 4 was really like, I don't know, the characterization, I still really like 4. I just, yeah, I don't I'm understand. gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think four was a better written game than five so far. Uh, I won't go that far. Like five is a better game, but marginally. And when I mean well, marginally, I, f- I mean there's certain things. Like I just, I, I ultimately feel like I have more freedom in five in the mechanics, like shooting. It, it's still that shit reticle, like that dot that's fucking in Red Dead and Max Payne three. But man, it's it's an actual like they're shooting mechanics. Grand Theft Auto five is the first Grand Theft Auto I've liked since Vice City. Oh. I mean, it's but the, what I mean is like the story themes almost like they said this game is kind of about masculinity, but I don't really buy that so far. Whereas four had well. distinctive themes that were going on, stuff about Nico Bellic and the American Dream and advertising and all of this kind of stuff and with five i'm kind of just like what's this game 
about because it's kind of just meandering at the moment. Like um, I think so. Like how how far are you in? Because I've completed the game. How far are you guys into it? I'm uh, uh, currently rocking Franklin, and I'm doing all the side stuff. So so far as Franklin, I'm I've done some tow truck side missions for this whacked out junkie named Tanya. Uh, I raced this other Asian stereotype in street races. Uh, I got a sweet haircut. And I've been trying to get girls at the strip club to sleep with me because I found out they have a like meter. So when you get that all the way up, you get the option to take them home with you. And I'm just I really want the Chivo for it. Uh, however, I love that. Like you kind of it's almost like winning the lottery. There are girls that are the women. They're just like, no, I'll dance for you and let you fill me up. But I ain't taking you home. So I, I haven't gotten to Trevor yet because he's like. Say like five hours, five six hours into the game. No, I've I've again, I'm I'm only rocking Franklin, and you know, that's the thing too because, like, again, there's a lot of moments. And see, I'm I'm not completely familiar with uh Los Angeles. Like, I I can get around certain parts of it, but just driving around and getting curious in the areas that I do have access to with like the Franklin part. Um, I've been really, really, uh, digging just how immaculate the, uh, representation, like, they're, the liberal use of, like, real world locations, uh, is fucking mind boggling. Like, uh, there, there, I, I swear to God, there are, like, intersections that are, like, a parody of real intersections to where I know there's, like, a, I, I can't remember the fast food restaurant, but I know there'd be, like, a fast food restaurant or a convenience store there, and they're actually there in the game. That was like the most fun I was actually having is just doing that. Um, but yeah, no, there's some inconsistencies. So like, for example, uh, if you fail missions or whatnot, or I mean, if you're in the middle of a mission and you know it's going downwind, I notice you can't restart it. They took that option out. But you can. This is what I didn't really like is that if you fail enough times, you can just skip it completely. Yeah, that's new. Uh, yeah. I haven't used that option yet. I feel it's kind of cheating, even though it's so hard sometimes and I'm trying to do it and I'm trying to do it. I'm just like, I can't give in to the game. I can't do this. Uh, yeah, I never ran across that either. Um, uh, um, I mean, I mean, the story is once, like, like, like Steve, have you gotten the Trevor yet as well? Yeah, I'm way past that. I'm, um, I'm playing as all three at the moment, alternating. Mm. At the moment, I'm trying to get that guy's five cars back, if that makes any sense. Okay, so that's like the first after the the initial okay yeah so um we gotta really be careful here here with spoiler warnings by the way so yeah once i I, that's what i'm trying to be as vague as possible but yeah just i'm a couple of high sin i'm trying to get the cars back because because i think it's your enjoyment of the story is really going to be i think if depending on what character you latch on to um i think that once the three characters get in together and they start meshing and the storyline starts developing it, it takes a good 10 to 15 hours of the main storyline before it starts to develop really, and it gets really good. Like I, I wasn't really too crazy about the story until about the halfway point, And then I got really into it and I started to really enjoy it. I, I just, yeah, I don't, there's something that I, I know is going to be explained to me later, but yeah, the ambiguity of it is uh, pretty strange as far as like Michael's intro and then where you see him now. I really want to see how that came about, especially with like this fucking, flashback ass intro that we were uh, treated to but I don't know see the thing with 4 and again everybody trashes on it is like 4 really focused on characterization and I feel like the 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 subtlety of the characterization because 
the one thing that like really created like this is you know I, and I hate using something like this as opposed to Grand Theft Auto because Grand Theft Auto is kind of a hodgepodge of balancing what you would consider you know narrative gold versus like open-ended dynamic freedom there is like this ludonarrative dissonances of uh, of like dissonance i'm sorry with nico bellic and just all past grand theft autos because everything ultimately fell on him like basically the world and the decisions that came around like unrealistically filtered into where he was a catalyst to, to to move the narrative along and and doing that kind of i don't know it kind of disengaged me a little bit i like that different like the fact that there are three protagonists realistically cycle things around that i feel those protagonists would be engaged with so like you know i'm franklin doing gangbanging shit i could you know i don't know what michael would be doing but considering the flashback involved him robbing a bank i'm pretty sure he's going to be the technical aspect and he's going to handle like the fact that the different aspects kind of match along with the personalities of those individuals and how you work along them as a team especially is what i think really excites me about grand theft auto 5 and like ultimately like the there this game's definitely got the most freedom out of all of them in this series like i i was able to rob a convenience store you've never been able to do that in any of them however well, unless it i was a mission yeah exactly this is something i just fucking freely did but in the process robbing a convenience store got me three stars and i was fucking chased on foot with a chopper <laughs> so like there's still some shit that they need to work out with that that realism versus escapism um but, but the no. cops are so much easier to lose in this game they, they are, are. I, I, know. I think i think they're harder to lose than in the, okay so see yeah i i agree with james they are easier to lose however that whole mechanic is still kind of broken because here's the thing uh, okay the mini map i i love it because it works like a GPS, like an actual GPS. So instead of just seeing this static top-down view that slowly comes in the scape, uh, you, you got like a horizon perspective. So you see like streets off in the distance. I fucking love that. Like this has definitely got the best minimap of the series too. And what they've done is they have like these cones of vision. Because in like 4, it was kind of like a Metal Gear Solid like both of them you can really attribute to Metal Gear Solid but in 4 there was like the circular radius that you had to escape and you just had to make sure you didn't see another cop to envelop another radius while uh, within uh, 5 it's got like this fucking cone again like Metal Gear Solid and then once you were seen in that cone uh, it would develop like a, a static radius all over the place until you drove far enough the and thing it's even like spots yeah. of on the map that you can walk into that you have to avoid yeah, and there's and and there's like what's really cool is that the the cone is it 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 can be obstructed by objects. So my favorite thing to do, especially if I'm at night when I'm being chased, is dip into an alleyway, park the car in like a little alcove, and turn my lights off. The cops will drive right by. Really? Okay. So yeah. here's the thing. Then I think my copies glitch because that's that's actually the point I was gonna drop is that the obstruction of objects do not stop the cone for me. So like I can be uphill. And like the cops don't see me. They're at like the like the fucking summit, like they're downhill. But because the map, the mini map registers that I'm in that cone, I'm detected. As well as I'm in a building. And like I could be in a building or I could be in an alleyway, like you mentioned. So they're I'm not in their direct line, but because I'm in the mini map's cone where you would see where the the cops line of vision would be, I I I get that alert. So I don't know. Maybe 
that's yeah, a I've bug. Had, I had instances where basically I ran in, I pulled into a parking garage, I got out of my car, ran over a little bit, and just hid behind a wall, and I had cops on the other side of the wall who could not see me. Hmm. Um, I don't know, that's weird. I did not, I didn't run into that situation. You're just, you suck at games, it's fine. Yeah, hey, alright. I, I think the game is really interesting, though, in the fact that it has... It has some really despicable characters in it. Like, I really don't want to give much away, but the stuff that you do as Trevor is so distressing, like, as a player. But I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. There's one thing in particular that I'm not going to say, but you do it as Trevor in this scene, and it's just horrific, like, literally horrific. And I like that it's making you play the part of the scumbag really well because all of his gameplay connected to him is just really horrible and really really disgusting and i kind of feel like he's a amalgamation and kind of satire on what the player's interpretation of any grand theft auto character would be which is the worst person and and he really is super enjoyable to just listen to like when he talks oh he's hilarious he is hilarious from beginning to end in that game he is just hilarious i think all of them are pretty funny to be honest like the writing's pretty sharp it's just that Mm. i don't know there because i'm in the franklin section and i understand like there's there's that depiction of like you know urban life uh amongst that culture that like i felt like for example was really well done in uh san andreas and it's just super exaggerated in five like it's too much in five yeah i didn't that that's that's actually, I mean, I didn't like San Andreas because of the urban depiction stuff in it. I mean, I don't, I didn't really care for it. It kind of bored me. That's why I didn't really go through with. I, I never beat San Andreas because it bored me and I stopped playing it. And Frank, think- oh sorry, no, I was just saying Franklin was. I played the least because if you look into your games, you can see how many hours you played on each character. And Franklin, I played probably about three to four hours less than I played the other two characters. The thing about Franklin's storyline is that it's the bland, you know, rags to riches crime story, really. And Michael and Trevor's stories are just so much more interesting and unique. So it's like players, those interesting stories, or just either, you know, he's poor, but he makes it up to the top through crime and then he loses it all or something or other. And it's just like, I've done that before in any other game. I just, you know, it's as stupid as it may sound, hear me out. I kind of like applied it with Breaking Bad almost because I look at Franklin kind of like the way Jesse Pinkman, like he's a petty criminal that's getting in over his head. And, you know, he he's kind of relying on these other dudes who they're these unassuming citizens that actually lead like a really dangerous criminal background and you wouldn't even know it by looking at them. So... I don't know. I kind of applied it with that, and that's that's where I'm kind of drawing this interest. And you know, his dialogue—I I don't know—he's. I think he's more interesting of a character than most people have given him credit for. But so far, like, it's just a really slow burn with this intro. So I'm I'm trying to get through that. But of course, like, they're like, <sighs> this game is like fucking Skyrim with crime. It, there's just so much going on. I've already gotten, like I said, lost at the strip club. Uh, I have robbed convenience stores. I have picked up tow truck missions. I've picked up taxi cab missions. I'm, I'm street racing at night and then I'm teaching, I'm doing shit with a fake smartphone app. Like, I, I'm, I don't know. I almost had the double park 
at one point just to make me feel like I'm committing like real crime because I'm getting so lost in living and like kind of living in that gray area. But I, I mean, I am enjoying it. I just there are certain like subtle improvements that I feel like trumpet over four, but it's marginally. And it's just so funny because everybody's just like, man, I'm so glad fucking we're in a world where we got something better than four. Fuck four, man. I'll poop on floor. Like, I, I, I just I don't I, I, I think I just said I'll poop on floor. Uh, but I meant a poop on four. But anyway, uh, it's yeah, it's no. all it's all about the heist missions. I mean, the heist missions I are want to do that insanely God. enjoyable. Yeah, from it's beginning almost to like they took the, the best mission from Grand Theft Auto Four, which was the bank mission, and they've gone, oh, okay, let's build a game where you get to do that multiple times because that was a really well received bit. And, and let's be honest, like it's been psychologically proven, and I know this this sounds weird, but they've done statistics because, again, uh, whether it may be a an issue of controversy over what direction Grand Theft Auto Five could have been given as far as diversity of female representation, I mean, in a sense, I I would argue that, and and why I want more female representation, I can totally buy the fact that Five is like a a subtly thematic. Uh, representation of the male power fantasy like fucking completely uh just manifested in this game because every every grown adult man at this point who has grown up with at least within the last 20 years like that's always been this fictional male power fantasy is the heist anybody who's watched heat anybody who's fucking done anything of that nature and and the fact that they've made these elaborate schemes and, and just like shown all these things and the roles and the fact that you have complete control over these like you're like you're the coach and you're just dictating what happens where and in making and pulling it off like yeah that's honestly what's really attracted me about five but again i haven't even gotten to that because like it, it's like skyrim i'm just getting lost in the way just of doing all these things start focusing on the story missions man Get through it at least, yeah. at least at least till when you get to the three people, and and then you can start doing all the side stuff again. Because one of my favorite mechanics is the fact that when you switch to another person, the other two people go off and do their own things. Yeah. This this and then when one. When you switch th- back to them, you see like a couple of seconds of what they were last doing. This this one thing happened. I wasn't playing as Trevor for a little while, and every all this stuff is random. And I switched back to Trevor, and he was naked. For everything but his underwear, laying on the middle of an island with a boat next to the island and about five dead bodies around him. <laughs> oh. And, and no, no explanation as to what happened. He just woke. He just woke up and go, man, that was a fun night. And then you just go and do your thing. And then I have to find some place to put clothes on because I'm butt ass naked. It's almost like he's doing what any normal person who plays GTA does. Uh, just causing mayhem. Dude, he's the Tyler Durden. He's the player. That's what I kind of think he is, though. I think he's a representation for all the horrible things Grand Theft Auto protagonists usually do, but it's just they haven't given him some sort of likable trait that redeems him. It's just, no, this person is fully awful all the time. He's I, fully awful and completely insane, and it's great. It's great. Yeah, but yeah, yeah he, like, what's funny is in the flashback, he bared like human traits of like loyalty. He's just like, I'm not gonna leave you. Like that was weird. Yeah, I'm that's the he thing is that team. makes him. He's really interesting as well because he's not like he he's not completely terrible, but because he does have some weird morals, 
like there's one there's one thing where he really scolds a guy for saying that a woman's a bitch. Like he doesn't like gendered insults for some reason. And wow. But but yet he is doing all of this really fucked up stuff. I like that he's sort of got this weird really um, skewed perspective yeah. on morals. Yeah, he has a weird morality where he can tie someone up to a tree and repeatedly punch them in the face. That was something that I came back to when playing as another player. <laughs> but but yeah, he will have these weird opinions on like um, loyalty or stuff like that. It's really interesting. He's probably the least enjoyable person to players in the game because he's so unlikable, but he's the most interesting because he's so unlikable. <laughs> I love Sarah, him. Is Sarah asleep yet? I don't know. Oh, Are you I'm there? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to play the game now? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not not right. Grand Theft Auto. Wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll That's all we've it. been talking about. <laughs> yeah, did you hear that was a new game out? This is a yeah. Theft Five. It just came out. No, I, I, thought, I thought you were just play, say, uh, being snarky about uh, do I want to say what's in my console. Well, but wait. I'll wait. Okay, well, I mean, we can go on and on about Grand Theft Auto. I, I would just say that mechanically, it's mostly the most sound. I mean, I'm, I think, okay, so you're supposed to install the first, I, I, I bought it on 360 because I did not have 12 gigs of storage to give oh, up my yeah, disc 3. Oh yeah, this really confused me. Yeah, so you so install I'm... the first disc and play the second disc and you're doing it right, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You do not install the second disc. Well, I never install my 360 games anyway, so. And I got really excited for a second because I really like it when a game has two discs because just the feeling of changing a disc for an adventure makes it seem like more than it is. So I was like, oh yeah, it's going to have two discs. I'm going to change it at one point and it will have this feeling of progression. It's just like, nope, I just need to install the game before I play it, even though I'm on a console. <laughs> the last the last game I changed disc with was Shenmue, and that made me realize why I don't like changing discs anymore. <laughs> You're a bastard. <laughs> oh, which, uh, speaking of which, by the way, um, we still kind of got like a loose bet going on which will come out for Shenmue 3 or Half-Life 3. I still think it's Shenmue 3. Uh, I think it's Shenmue Last 3, Course yeah. 2. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a, like anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Anything can happen at this point. Depending on how how far down the mine Rare wants to go with, or Microsoft makes Rare go. No, Half Life Three is going to be a Steam Box only launch title. That would fuck, dude. Gangbusters, <laughs> right there. Like everybody would just drop their shit and just be like, "That's it, fucking everybody, go home, <laughs> get get ready, prepare." It's so weird to think because you just know that Half Life Three. I think it exists. I'm not sure I've heard about it whispered in dark shadows, but only only game Newell has it. <laughs> yeah, you can you can probably guess that they probably have Half-Life 3 being worked on, but they're just not saying anything because of the hype around it. Like nothing Valve could do at this point would make people satisfied like hype-wise for Half-Life 3. Yeah. Cuz I mean it's not even exactly announced yet and people are hyped for it. Once on once on July 11th and once today. <laughs> I love that you uh, chronolize the date, though. That is important. Yeah, only because today I reposted it. And I said it once, and I'll say it again. If Half-Life 3 ever happens, it will never, ever live up to a single person's expectations. Ever. Well, I mean, it doesn't... It's not even like a, a comment on the quality of it. Like, it could be 
the most amazing thing in the world, then it still wouldn't live up Won't to anything. Won't be enough, yeah. So, like, Mass Effect 3. I, I guess, kind of. Although, this is even, uh, like, this is worse than Mass uh, Effect. I don't think that's really the same thing, though. No, Mass like Effect so 3 cool. had a solid, this would be like Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> Did anybody really have high hopes for that one? Let's that, one guy, that one guy who pre-ordered it in 2002. Also, another but thing. But it's Duke Nukem Forever, but times a million because it's an actual credible series. <laughs> so, Sarah, what's in your console just so we can uh, get some <laughs> diversity? I got a Famicom. Ooh. That well, yeah, what'd mail. you get? So, uh, well, nothing, actually. Just the system. I, I had had uh, six Famicom games already, kind of thing, right? Did you? But I just... What? I, was, I didn't mean to interrupt, but did you see that Star Soldier I got you? I did see it. There you go. You got it. I was really concerned for a bit because at first you said Star Force and I had literally just gotten Star Force in the mail. Mm. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, what am I going to tell him? But then it was Star Soldier and I was like, super awesome. So yeah, uh, right now I've only got Sky Destroyer and Star Force and Field Combat and Star Luster and then Twin B1 and 3. But, uh, yeah, I've been playing those on and off for a little while now. I've got a ton of fucking shit in the mail. Um, mostly boxed Famicom games because I've kind of turned into a little bit of a snob when it comes down to importing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, stuff. I don't get getting box retro games anymore. I really don't. Cause when you get like, now that we have archival case, like mm. the repro cases, like that, I feel like that's the way to go. Just practically. I like, yeah. eh. like manuals, I understand. Yeah, buy manuals, but. Fucking yeah, it's hard to get a. It's it turns out it's hard to get a uh, Famicom game with a manual and not the box. Typically speaking, um, you can't really buy them on their own either. It's hard to do. I I don't. Yeah, it's not like here in the states. You know what's funny is the most common thing I'll see when I buy like NES games or Super NES games is like I'll see people who save the manual and keep them with the cart, but the box is nowhere to be found. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've been playing that i tested out twin b3 that was the game i tested the famicom with which by the way weird fucking sort of thing about the famicom uh it has a switch on the back because it's an rf system right there's no av on this old ass model but uh it has a switch for channel one and two but it's definitely not fucking one and two that you need to switch it to um it's like 95 95 and 96 ridiculously high so i mean most modern tvs that have the coaxial jack will work but i can't get it lined through my stupid vcr to record so it looks like i'm stuck still using the the um the nes uh game converter for my recording needs well not, I don't not know. so bad though i'm not i'm so i'm super, so are you ever gonna get like a disc system add-on yeah, well, maybe not the add-on. I might just go with the uh, the twin Famicom because you go with the, the twins. They're they're about the same price, and it has AV out, and it's yep and stuff. So except it's still it's still guilty of the top loader uh, bullshit, which has got it's got the jail bars, just not as bad. Fucking hate those things. I still yeah. need to send like I I need it's to get hard. my uh, NES modified, uh, dude. Especially when you're playing like Punch Out, those bars are really bad. So. <laughs> I, I really would I like you. to get that corrected. And plus, like, my Turbo Duo sound processor went out, so... Oh, no. Oh, that it, sucks. That's fine. It can get repaired easily. Yeah, but, you know, it's still uh, still something you got to get repaired. Oh, shit. Who, who's, who's, who's resting the mic there? It's Stevie. Sorry, I was just... I was trying to blow my nose stealthily. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. If you can hear like a rumbling in the background, that's just tissue. Sorry. <laughs> You're excused. Some, uh, that's some so yeah, violent that's sneezer shit. Mostly what I've uh, what I've been up to is just messing around with uh, with Famicom games. I can't even think of anything else that I've been playing lately except for Dragon's Crown. You know what's funny is uh, I've been like had this lull of buying games because I like I like I said I moved into this house now, so I'm trying to be responsible. And I think the only thing game related I bought other than Grand Theft Auto Five was um, a Hapage because again we've, we've yeah. been doing like a lot of video stuff. We're gonna have Star Tropics come out soon. Very soon. Um, I uh, I also bought a pair of five finger shoes because I lost mine in the move. Oof. So fucking can't wait to get them just so I can go running again. Nice. I wish I had them for uh, for Seattle, but I don't think I was able to wear them anyway with my toes being as fucked up as they were. But hey, good you news. You know what, though? That, that kind of came me. off. So. Oh, well, there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> that reminds me, though, that I haven't been on the show in like three months. Yeah, it's been a long ass fucking time. So I guess there is a bunch that I've been playing, huh? Uh, mostly old stuff. I, for a while, I'd been attempting to beat Adventure Island. How far did that get you? I got to stage six three. See, and like I haven't even played the original Adventure Island. I've only played like. Funny enough, my favorite Adventure Island is the one for TurboGrafx sixteen. New Adventure Island. Yeah, New Adventure Island's a shit. Hmm, I might have to get it then. Uh, you know what's really cool is four. Four is because four is it's not even adventure. It's it's Adventure Island meets Metroidvania, and I'm just a fucking yeah. sucker for, for Famicom, right? Wait, really? That's weird. Yeah, and it's really good too. Um, mm. you know, what I just found out too is Hotel Transylvania on the 3DS is also a Metroidvania game, and it was made by Way Forward. So I'm like, fuck, I have to get oh, it. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, instant win right there. Uh. Uh, oh, uh, where we were going to be getting uh, that Miku game on PS3, I started playing the PSP one, the Project Eva Second, and I am enjoying it. I think I like the song selection better than the PS3 game. Hmm. I, yeah, but I think now I wonder if they're if Sega is going to do any DLC for it. Like, I wonder if they'll even venture it at mm, all. They already have. There, there's already oh. uh, a couple of characters that you can download. Right, now, is it real DLC or is it like, ah, oh, this stuff, this is launch DLC, basically? Launch DLC. It's not actually like it. further, but I mean, they didn't the game has much. been out in Japan for a while. Yeah, so. they, they didn't have very much in the, in the line of DLC in Japan anyway. I no. think they might have had like one or two songs. And I think they're crossovers between the Vita version and the PS3 version. I, I would like it. I, I saw like at TGS. Mm. That uh, there's going to be like some on the Vita, so I'm stoked on that. Yeah, I'm probably going to pull the trigger and grab the Vita version because I, I do like playing with the Vita quite a bit, especially, we, you know, the James, Dragon did we Crown. talk about Vita TV in the last episode? Uh, I, I think, think we, we did. mentioned it in a sideways sort of way. I want them to announce it for North America because the idea of buying something like that for 100 bucks is I, I'm down with that quite a bit. Yeah, it's kind of a micro console. Because idea. then I can play an HD version of Persona 4 on my television. There you have it. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, but I still, like, I really want them to announce, like, DualShock 4 compatibility, because then they can, like, throw in the touchscreen games, too. I, I just I'm, feel like that's I'm just sure a short it'll happen. Yeah, it's just a really it's short-sighted no. decision. Um, For now. I mean, they, they could have that all banged out by the time uh, they make a U.S. announcement anyway. Mm. 
Well, what's really kind of cool is that if it came out over here for the same price tag, about a hundred dollars, it would it'd be it'd be actually kind of competing directly with those Rovio boxes. Well, it, in a sense, <laughs> like almost the Ouya on the Game Stick too. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, did that did that release yet? Does anybody give a shit about Game Stick? Game Stick, uh, I don't know if it's officially released yet or not. But I uh, didn't give a shit I, about Ouya. I, couldn't I, I, less, so. I like what the Ouya is doing right now. I'm I'm a very I'm a big advocate of the Ouya. I'm sure so. eventually I'll get a new Ouya. It's just right now isn't the time well, for me. Well, the Ouya's having like big problems. Just technically, people having people having trouble just setting them up. Hmm. Uh, it That's it has true. A, it has a hor- like they fixed the UI and stuff, but now like uh there's some storage issues. So like I've already had to play Survivor with it for a little bit, but um I I've enjoyed it. Like uh, Right in Legacy, that's a game you'll really super dig on it, dude. A, no, no. I, I, I really like no, it. Just buy Raiden Fighters Aces if you have the ability to. I have Raiden Fighters Aces, and I like that. And Raiden. you do not need Raiden Legacy. That is a mess of a port. Like, have they have they tried to put stuff like uh like Dust and Elysian Tail or like Mark the Ninja on this thing? Or uh, they're. They're in the midst of programming for it. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming out for it. Is Shantae on it? Uh, Shantae is slated to come out on it. Okay. Oh, so I, Basically, there's I, a bunch of shit coming out on it. I got there's... I got Shantae for free on my iPhone, and it is broken. So it doesn't yep. work. <laughs> iOS 7 uh, issues, huh? I, I didn't expect much from Shantae on iPhone, to be honest. Well, it was free, so... Yeah. It was free, so I decided to I decided to get it, and it yeah. only plays in a tiny window, and you can't play it. So yeah, you, you upgraded to iOS seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly why they're fixing it. I yeah, I, I bet because a lot of my apps I had to either re-download or force force updates on them to yeah, get them to work. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I've been playing like other than review games, which you know I'll have up. Like I I got my Rayman Legends review out there and gone home. Oh, hold on, I got one last thing. Hmm. I'm in my console now. Ooh. Because um, I got to play the first build of the game that my soundtrack is in. Ah, oh, can you talk about that at all? I can talk a little bit about it. Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a puzzle game. Uh, it's being d- developed in Ukraine, <laughs> and uh, it's basically uh, a match two kind of game where you've got to clear off four rows of uh, of like colored or like symboled um, cards. And uh, you can, if you can do it fast enough, you get score bonuses and chains and stuff, and it gets progressively harder. It's actually based on a 1996 ZX Spectrum game, actually, as it turns out. So, um, well, based on it, they had a ZX Spectrum game, and then they ported it and made it more modern, and that's where they asked me to come in to do their sound. So, not only did I do the OST, I actually did all of the sound effects in the game as well. Hmm. Nice. Yep. So, and I'll I'll be selling the soundtrack eventually, but uh, you know when it when it comes when it actually gets released, I'll uh, I'll be sure to pimp the hell out of it so you can all check it out. Does the game have a name yet? Uh, yeah, it's called Squards. So square cards, right? That's uh, uh-huh. that that just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can I can't wait to get my Squards T-shirt. Mm. <laughs> actually, uh, I had uh, Irene play it uh for a bit tonight and she just didn't stop <laughs> she got to like level 20 on it which is pretty high from what i've seen so 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it was it's obviously pretty good for what it is right now, and uh, it's only in the uh, the early stages of development, really. So, I I'm excited to talk about all the weird shit I've been playing. So, <laughs> like, I so, yeah, I, go I, for it. No, I want to. I want to hear Stevie. Stevie gets next rights. Yeah, your console other than Grand Theft Auto. We have we've I've exhausted been... our Grand Theft Auto. I've been playing Klonoa, um, the one that was on the PS1 on oh, um, nice. PS on PS Vita through the classics. Um, I did not even know that was available. Door to Phantomile, yeah. Yeah, it might not it's... be available to us though. That's the thing. Oh no, I think um, Josh knew he's been playing it as well. Uh, oh. the, I got say Gradix, so he's been uh, telling me about it as well. So it's available in North America. I don't know. I'd still love the Wii version though. I don't know if I can go back to Door to Phantomile. Like, cause like, what's mm. cool about the Wii U is it upscales fucking everything on the Wii. In fact, like I said, the only the only thing that's weird to play on the Wii U that's a Wii game is Metroid Prime Trilogy because those are technically GameCube ports. So I don't think GameCube games were meant to be upscaled to that quality. So they kind of actually like retroactively look like shit in the process. <laughs> but yeah. other than that, like all the other Wii games are fucking like Klonoa. Jesus Christ. Uh, that was like one of the first games I popped in that one and uh, Okami and then Kirby's Epic Yarn. And I'm just like, ugh, I, I fell in love with my Wii library all over again. I think Klonoa, Klonoa is good, but does anyone mind me? Sp- it sounds really weird. Cause this is just a, like a simple platform. But d- does anyone mind me spoiling Klonoa? It's really no, sad. Ahead. I mean, I, yeah. uh, I love the second game, so this is this is like a like a charming kids adventure. Like it gets really hard, but it's still like a like a kiddie type game. It's got some nice cute visuals, some nice enemies. It turns out at the end Spoilers ahead. That Kanoa isn't real? Somehow he's been like drafted into the universe and he has to get separated from his best friend while a really sad song plays in the background and this happens after the final boss. And I'm just thinking, what what why no, has well, this just happened in this fun platformer? And yeah, definitely spo- I don't know, I'm just I'm gonna fuck it. I'm gonna put a spoiler tag, but um Yeah, a lot of sad shit happens on the way to that. Like all your friends start dying, like they yeah, like they, they for realsies die, and then you hold your, your grandfather, dies. and he's like super dying in your arms. Like it's really fucking dark. It's like a Don Bluth film. Yeah, and I love it because it it gives some stakes for a kiddie platformer. But it's just like, why why is he not real? That's such a weird thing to put in after the final boss, where everything's happy, and it's just like, oh, okay, no, we're not gonna have a happy ending here. Sorry, gamers. <laughs> Well, there was this game where Mario threw vegetables, and then, oh uh, yeah, and then out of nowhere, like Lawrence Fishburne, like comes to Mario and says, "What if?" And then I don't know. That I I'm I <laughs> may be mixing the two. I don't know. Well, but, actually, all the Mario characters are just actors, and every Mario game is just a play that they act in and they play their roles. Yeah, and then it zooms out, and it turns out it all takes place in the Mario Brothers movie universe. <laughs> I would love that. If they made a game that was a fateful recreation of the Mario Brothers movie, I would love that. I would hate that. With FMV characters. In the- <laughs> FMV characters. I hate everything that you guys are saying right now. <laughs> it's so great. It's, it's possible that I might split my head open with an axe. Hey, just so like I don't Street know if Fire you guys the- know this, but there is a sequel 
I'll, I'll throw it in Link to the Past. Uh, but there is a... Or Link to the Past, I'm sorry. Life Through the Pixel Glass. Um, there is a sequel to the Super Mario Brothers movie in comic book form that is still actively going on. That, what? Like, and it's gotten the official <laughs> approval from no the writers. I am that not fucking bullshit. lying. This is a Just real that, thing. Google it does, right now. That movie does end on a cliffhanger, which never got resolved, so it makes sense. But that's the weirdest thing, that it's still going. Because that movie is the reason that Nintendo doesn't make other prop- movies based on their properties anymore. I mean, we, we've already gone into nausea about that fucking awful movie in the commentary uh, anniversary episode, but still, like, that blew my fucking mind when I found out that that was a real thing. It's a, it's a actively going real thing. It was a fan project. They approached the directors and the writers, and because Nintendo doesn't really hold the rights to it anymore, uh, <laughs> Touchstone does. It's Touchstone and uh, that weird Sphinx uh, film publishing, with the one with the Sphinx in it. Oh yeah, absolute. Yeah, I fucking I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah, no, it, it is a it is an active thing that's going on. It's not a print comic book; it's a digital PDF comic book that is free. Uh, that's the only thing they're able to do it as long as they don't sell it. And it's got like its own weird art style and and I'm all this shit. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, should I show note it? Fuck it, yeah, should I just I show no one to see this. this? We need to put a direct amazing. link in the website. That sounds amazing. Just do it so you put in PressPauseRadio.com, it just redirects you to that website. Sacrifice your website to promote this comic. And we need to do a commentary podcast for the comic. Oh, God. That sounds... That, that can that be, like, funny. extra, like, content that we, like, just sell on the side? <laughs> we just see Let's, if somebody will fucking bite. See uh, if you can get some sort of exclusive partnership with the people who are making those comics, George. See if you can sponsor them. I I, I don't know. Everything, all of it, all of it sounds like such a horrible idea. Oof. Okay, so anyway, yeah. So you're playing Klonoa? <laughs> yeah, Klonoa is good. It's um, it, it. I said it gets really hard. Like it, it is really tough towards the end. That game. Um, but I kind yeah, there, of... I know what part you're talking about too. Like near, the, there's actually an end after the end, but you have to like do a completion bonus. Like you have to get all of the um, uh, all you have to rescue all the the hostages or the 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 villagers or whatever, what have you. And then oh. you have to get a certain score. And then if you do that, there's a secret ending segment uh, that involves like some of the most ridiculous platforming segments ever. Like the plat- well, even in the main game, like the last levels are really tough. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I I kind of wish that Klonoa would see a resurgence. Like outside of, like they did the uh, Game Boy Advance games, which are cool. But like Klonoa Two was so good and it sold so badly, and it makes me so sad. And you know what? That game was awesome. I it had is- that game before I had a PS2. Yeah. No, I was that was like one of the first games I got for my PS2. Um. I don't. I haven't gotten that far in Project Cross Zone yet, but I really hope Klonoa's in it. I really, really do, because he was in. Nam- oh yeah, that's Cap- right. Could be in that game, yeah. Spoiler: He isn't. Uh, um, I've also been playing Spelunky on my PS Vita. Is it broken which, yet? Uh, no, but Sp- Sp- I, I wouldn't doubt it because I've been playing so much of it. 
that game works so well on a handheld. Does it? Yeah, because it's all about just quick blasts and um, you know restarting true. again. And I can just like play a quick game of Splunky on the bus, and you know hone my skills in, and then see, I've racked up so many hours on it. It's crazy, but that game it really works for like a handheld experience. I I can't really imagine playing it on a console anymore well, because it's not it cross save so well. though have you have you messed with cross save at all because i i think it's well no if you buy it on ps3 you do get it on the vita i believe yeah well i only have um a ps vita i don't have a ps3 that's weird you're in that uh, weird demographic I'm, I'm the one person yeah but it's it's really really good um i, th- I think everyone's talked about spelunky so much there's almost no point in mentioning it anymore but I just think I what I really like about that game is that it it's not like enforced arbitrary difficulty that um sometimes gets put to you in a game like everything is exactly the same throughout it's just you get better at the game and you can tackle more stages like when you start off the game and you think it's crazy that you could even get to like world 3 and then you know near the end of your time playing the game you're doing really really good runs because you've concentrated on the aspects that make the game that make your play successful and i think that's really cool that it's a game all about your skill and not about oh you didn't have this much xp to go through this door or something hmm. all righty well james what's in your console let's let's crack you out real quick uh yeah it's gonna be real quick because i pretty much all i've done is been playing gta 5 for the last week because i've been i gotta get a review up for it so ah, well I've, then we could just skip you well, well, no, I got two things that I have played. Besides that, I played Rayman Origins on the Vita because it was free for PlayStation Plus. And hey. you don't I'm sound impressed. Rayman Origins, I don't know. Uh, I mean it. I, I mean it, it. I don't like the run being the. It just doesn't feel comfortable playing it on the Vita for some reason. Because sprint is like a very important part of that game. And I don't like the. It's just maybe I don't know. Maybe hands. My hands don't feel comfortable doing it on the Vita because it's too tight. It's on the shoulder buttons, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I just I don't know. Yeah. I just can't. I just don't feel quite comfortable with it. The controls feel a little bit more touchy than they are on console too. Uh, yeah, I have to. I have to uh, respectfully disagree because I played the Vita version. I thought, especially uh-huh. because of the screen. The screen is so nice on the Vita that it just really popped. I thought that it was a really good port. Oh, I, I'm not saying that it doesn't look great. I mean, I, it might just be my personal preference on the controls in it. Um, I, I kind of wish I could just change the sprint and, I, and like they have the hit on the shoulder button, like the attack on the shoulder button, and then sprint and jump on the face buttons. But that's just probably my things. Um, and, and then I also played a game that I downloaded for free as well. I played God's Eater Burst. Yeah, that's right. For 10 minutes, and then immediately turned it off. <laughs> it's a super Japanese hack and slash game. I, it's yeah, not it fun unless you play it with other people. It's like a multiplayer Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, I found that out. It's pretty boring and dumb. Eh, it's not that bad. I, I don't didn't know. Like it very much. But uh, it could be better, though. Yeah, it, well, the sequel is better sequel i'm hearing is improving all of that and that's going to be coming out to vita so i i will pick up that i don't know it it's a dumb game like if you just play it with the mindset that it's a dumb game it's not that bad 
I'm trying to think if I've played anything else. And I have not, so that's it. All right, so four dumb games real quick that I want to spin out. One's actually really cool. It'll be the coolest one that I think I talk about, so I'm going to spit it out. And it's free to play, and you guys can play it all right now. But not, not right now, because you podcast. But uh, it's called Super Hot. You guys heard of it? No, super I hot. have not. Super Hot. I have so, Super Not. Oh, man. And it's just, it's a fucking really weird indie game. It's a browser game at the moment that's currently awaiting Steam greenlight approval. I think it actually may have gotten greenlit. But it's really weird because essentially it is it is a first-person puzzle shooter because what it is is it has braid mechanics. So time stops when you stay still, and then it'll move when you move. So you have to take out all these targets, and then when they shoot at you, if you stop, you will see the bullet incredibly slowly like come at you. So when you move again, the, the speed at which you move at is the velocity of which time goes, just like Braid. So you have to go around and basically like exploit this mechanic moving around in these like tight corridor stages and basically kill everyone. And... You know, it's it, it's fucking it's really simple in, in concept, but it's like, I don't know, it's maliciously deep. Like I've gotten so far into it, especially like when they do like these narrow corridor levels where you're surrounded and you kind of got to like exploit that mechanic from jumping to moving. And I don't know, I, I, I can't get enough of it. I keep playing it and it's like a perfect just I just want to kill time game. Uh, it's super like basic visuals like everything's kind of like a a silhouette like it's really weird um with like it's a polygonal silhouette kind of setup kind of like like everything looks like a modern age lawnmower man um but it, i don't know it's fucking awesome though i i, I can't stop playing it it's also going to come out to ouya which uh, i'm pretty stoked on that because it like it currently has no controller uh configuration you you really can only because it's a it's a browser game built completely from unity so you can only really use a keyboard and mouse, but uh, I think everyone should check it out. It's fucking it. It's just weird. It's a really weird take in, on on that concept and in the like. I don't know the presentation, like the fact that between every level there's just a chant that goes super hot, super hot. <laughs> like it's it's really weird. It's like a prodigy music video almost. It's like I can't. I don't. I don't know how else to explain it, but. Uh, just like kind of building a feel for that like core mechanic of like basically nothing moves until you move. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, um, really quick, I also um got my first taste of gameplay through from video of a uh, girl fight, and I can't wait to play that game. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting on the review copy for that one. They don't have builds yet, but we're on the list. It so, looks amazing. Does it? Do you really mean that? It's it looks like the best fighting game since Dead or Alive Five. <laughs> I, hold on. All right, I, I'll, I'll take it seriously. I'll bite. It's it looks like it's very deep <laughs> and very How is it at uh, Extreme Beach Volleyball though. It's not as good as Extreme Beach Volleyball Two. <laughs> but better than one and it looks to be very conscious of its message towards women's equality 
<laughs> looks it's great. A tran- it's a transformative game. So yes. I played It'll Do on the uh, Ouya. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, man, that is a trip too because it's a it's a love letter to Zelda in like the the most hilarious way because it plays. It plays exactly like an old school Legend of Zelda would, except it all the hallmarks and tropes that you would expect from the Legend of Zelda uh, formula is just like done in this ridiculous satire because it'll so are do. Are we talking like Zelda one or Zelda two? Zelda one. Okay. Um, because it'll do like the character himself. He's a bastard. Like he's a horrible, like little fucking asshole. <laughs> he, he goes around and relishes in hurting people and pillaging them of their things and breaking their personal possessions. And the, like the game's dialogue, like relishes in that, but it operates like in, in Zelda fair, but like it makes light, like it, it takes the satire of things you don't really take into account for. Like if Link were to break pottery or set things on fire, and then he makes like not not even like subtle references or really clever, just like almost like m- like fucking meta commentary on like just the actual concept itself of like fucking committing these exploratory crimes of, of like fucking exploring things in, in like causing damage. And like he relishes in like hurting people. <laughs> I don't know. It's a uh, it's very animated, too. It's got like a. I don't know. I, I don't want to say like a European animation kind of vibe, but it's like, I don't know. I was really impressed with it. I know it's also on Steam, but I've really had fun with it on the Ouya. Um, I, but again, for those who don't own the little box, I'm pretty sure it's on Steam. Uh, if you guys kind of need like a fun satirical take on, on the Zelda formula, but it's, it's kind of, it's got its own personality. It's not like, like 3D Dot Game Heroes has a personality, but in a different way where it's like a love letter. It's a reference. This is more like a parody, like it's all fucking tongue in cheek, like, and it's not just Zelda. It kind of just does games in general, and yeah, it it's it's like Dennis the Menace except darker. Like he's a bastard that enjoys violence. It's not for kids. I don't know. I I I really enjoyed it. Kind of like Bully, like you know how Bully wasn't like it was malicious in the most innocent way. I guess. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Right. I I really liked it. Um. But other than that, it, it's a Zelda ass Zelda game, though. I mean, like the the identity of it all stems from presentation. Like, uh, fucking, like for example, like the old man that you know you would see in a cave that would give you messages in Zelda One. Like, and it'll do you torture the man until he gives you information, and then you can continually <laughs> torture him. Like, and this I mean, like, like the best game ever. Yeah, like you can light a stick on fire and then burn his beard and then beat him until he's bruised and but it's all presented in the form of a, like a, a child's cartoon so it's like <laughs> subtly malicious I don't, I don't really know how else to explain it but it's, it's pretty insane I don't know I really liked it uh, it's got it's definitely really well written as far as the jokes too like it, it's got jokes so let me tell you um, the last couple of games that I played that I got my hands on and I'm super fucking stoked that I got my hands on and I haven't Instagrammed them or anything yet. It's been a sweet little secret is, uh, well, the second one, to be honest, I, I didn't, it's not complete. I got the bin file and then basically reproed it on a cart. So second one isn't complete. However, the first one I got fucking lucky and I bought one of the remaining copies before it just escalated in price. And I got some Atari D-Makes for the 2600. 
Nice. So I fucking got Princess Rescue. And let me tell you, man, that game is totally not worth the hundreds of dollars it is fucking fetching for. <laughs> but an Atari really? game, how much can it really be satisfying? Uh, it is actually pretty satisfying. It is it is as close to Super Mario as you can even imagine. The fact that it's it's one of the one of the few Atari twenty six hundred games that's fully music. Like it's got like it has a composed soundtrack. Like the only one that I can think of is Pitfall two. Oh, pressure cooker. M- yeah, and then pressure cooker. Yep. Yeah, it's it's like the fact that it does the Mushroom Kingdom theme and then it does the cave theme and it does it with the Atari sound processor is um is is accurately as it can. Uh, is pretty strange, but um, such a garbage processor too. Ugh. Yeah, but it does Bad it pretty sound. well. Like the underground theme is when you hear it because it's like like it sounds like your Atari's yeah. dying, but um, it. It controls really well. And like, I, I, you, you can play it with a joystick confidently. Like, I didn't have to plug in a Sega Genesis controller. And yeah, it's, it's Mario, but it's weird because it's, even though it's nerfed, it's really good. It's just, it recycles a lot and there's no underwater level. But, um, other than that, like, you, it's got the same mechanics as Super Mario Brothers. You can kick Koopa Troopa shells and, What's funny is it won't render the graphic of the Koopa Troopa shell. It'll just be this, like, flashing square dot that just, like, <laughs> shoots across the screen like it's Pong. Um, the other D-Mank that I got that I'm actually way more impressed with, and it plays differently, and I, I like, I will buy the fuck out of it the moment the dude, and I think it's done by the same guy, is I got Zippy the Porcupine, which is essentially a D-Mank of Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, how does that work? Um, so I'm going <laughs> to post about, I'm posting up videos of this on, uh, Life Through the Pixel Glass, but it works Last really. Last processing indeed. It, dude, no, it works really well. Like, it looks pretty good too. Um, how does it even work? I don't so know how you fit all that blast processing onto a cartridge like that. So what it is, is it's Sonic the Hedgehog 1, but kind of with different mechanics. So, uh, it's, first of all, you, you've got a spin dash. You can, uh, but the only thing is, is with, uh, loop-de-loops, you have to spin dash through loop-de-loops. You can't, if you run them, you kind of don't go through them right, which a dude admitted that he will try to fix. Uh, but if you go the low route, like, there's way more enemies, uh, but not as many pitfalls, and, um, you just deal with a lot more obstacles. However, there are springs that can launch you up into the high route, which then, like, it, it screen scrolls to a completely different environment. Cause it, it, just like Princess Rescue, because of the limited palette of, um, colors on the Atari 2600, like, all the backgrounds are black. But the, the, the screen, it'll screen scroll if you go up higher, kind of like traditional Sonic levels to where it's, uh, you know, different routes and the, the, it's a lot brighter and the obstacles, uh, are, they're, fewer in number but there's a lot of jumping so there's a lot of platforming and then if you miss like a uh say you miss a jump you just transport back to the bottom of the level so there and then there are secrets in the levels too that don't do anything because it's incomplete it was basically a demo but i reproed it to a cart with a the you know the help of a friend of mine and uh yeah i've been really enjoying it like even if i don't get to buy it it'll be a fun little because you know, how many levels can you honestly put in it? Like, Princess Rescue is fucking six levels. So, like, I, I, I can't imagine Zippy the Porcupine being a whole lot more. 
surprised uh, they even got the spin dash in an Atari game. Yeah, down. there is a spin dash in it. I mean, and it's brilliant, too, because Sonic only uses one fucking button. So you can competently play it with a joystick. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm really enjoying both of them more than I should. Um, but definitely Zippy the Porcupine more than Princess Rescue. Because Zippy the Porcupine, like, it's like it takes the limitations of the 2600 and then does different things that are interesting and fun. Like, Princess Rescue is just a fun experiment. Like, oh, look, if I wanted, if, like, if they wanted to, they could have done Super Mario Brothers on the 2600. Fucking cool. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of more interesting because, like, the only other D-Make that you saw on the Atari way back in the day was Mega Man. And it was the original Mega Man, so they did Alec Man stage, and that, and that D-Make looked like shit. It looked, it looked like a first, and I know this is about to sound like the stupidest thing I fucking said on the podcast, but it's, it looks like a first generation Atari 2600 game, as opposed to like some of the later stuff, which I, I mean, like that's semantics, I know, but fucking bear with me, cause I think I can make sense of it if I were to get visual aids involved, which is later. Um, but yeah, no, if you guys get the chance, I, well, I'm, I'm gonna post about it, like this week. But yeah, that's that's some of the weird shit I've been playing aside from review games, which again I'll be posting on the site, kind of you know superfluous to talk about them. And of course, Grand Theft Auto Five. And James is reviewing it, so you'll see that review next week. Let's sure. let's talk about the topic. You guys ready for that? Yes. Oh wow, that was a resounding like yeah. All right, well, import gaming. <laughs> Um, so games we're not meant to play, but we choose to play anyway, uh, which is interesting because I'm kind of dipping in the direction that, um, and I'm glad Stevie's on the show because I've never played a Spectrum and I've never really fucked with an Amiga. So I, I kind of want to hear Stevie's perspective on that growing up, you know, with that. But why, what, what it compels us to the point where we, we have to play outside of our region? Let me ask you guys that. Like who, who, okay, who here has imported? I believe all of us, right? Nope. Yeah. You have never imported a game, James. The closest I've been to, way back in the day when they actually had import shops, I walked into an import shop and bought a Chrono Trigger soundtrack and left. I have not ever imported a game, no. Well because of, Yeah. Too fast, it's a pretty fucking good import. <laughs> yeah, I've played... I've played fan translated versions of games we never got, I, I believe, before we actually got them, like Tales of Fantasia. And, uh. So you, and you emulated these? Yes, I emulated them. I think that doesn't, that doesn't count, does it? It's in the well, same spirit. It's in the same spirit. Something, something that does count, though, is like if you've ever played one of those old NES multi-carts, that's a lot of people's first sort of dip into import gaming right there. That doesn't count. That they don't even so know they're import gaming. It does gaming. so count because so many of those never got released out here. Like Battle City never got a U.S. release. It was even taken out of the Star Fox Assault game that we got. 
I mean, so you're saying, so you're saying those, those hold on. were actually imports before imports, though, because I got, like, I think it was called 101 Games on one cartridge for a Game Boy for one birthday. And that was, like, weirdly, there'd be, like, Japanese versions of games that were already there and stuff that I'd never heard of, and they'd always nearly be horrible. Just so you're the horrible saying... about the games that they got. If I got a pirate multicart and I've got The Lion King 2 for my Sega Genesis and Hercules 2 that I just imported, even though I did not fucking buy this from some native land, I just happened to pond it in some fucking shitty swab meat. If you had heard exactly what I just said, and you can rewind the tape if you want, <laughs> I said that people's first taste of importing came from the multicarts. Hmm. I mean, without, without having played the multi-carts, I wouldn't have found Star, so, uh, Star Force. I wouldn't have found Sky Destroyer. I wouldn't have played Field Combat. I wouldn't have played Twin Bee. I wouldn't have played games like 1942. But those games, to be fair, they they have most of them have a North American release. I think Sky Destroyer is like the only one that I heard. Uh, right? no. Nope. Well, Star Force did, but Twin Bee never got a release. Field Combat never got. Isn't a Twin Bee Stinger? No, that's Twin Bee too. What's the difference? I mean, I've always wanted to import, but I just, I mean, I remember looking at the, those full page ads back in GamePro and EGM, you know, with the, when they were like advertising, you know, import these great games we never get. And, (laughs) and I remember seeing games that I wanted, like there was a Samurai Showdown RPG that I really wanted to play. It's really good. All the Dragon Ball Z fighting games we never got. Not that good. I, well, I some know, of them were like, pretty good. The second and, one was pretty cool. And so there's a bunch of stuff based on stuff that I like, like anime-ish stuff that I we never got over here. I've I will say to, that importing did. was like a huge part of the video game culture, like back in the '90s. And yeah, it's like I was about to mention that, like nearly every game magazine had like sponsorships from like outside retailers that would fucking do the imports for you. And I remember. Fuck my buddy. That's how he got. Uh, shit. Which which RPG did he import? And he, it, dude, it was like in the worst condition. Like the package was all beat up. But um, I remember Electronic Boutique uh, when they were a thing. They actually had an import uh, program. It was really yeah. pricey, but they fucking did it. And I like, remember, I remember that the cases for imported PS One games looked fucking rad. That's what I remember. Uh, yeah, because they have, like, they all have, like, this black frame. Yes. And then they have, like, just a PlayStation logo in the corner. You know what yeah. I found out, too, is, like, PAL play... Dude, PAL, PAL art. PAL art is fucking weird. And Yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> if you know, if, I don't know if you've seen the PAL version of Mega Man 2, but it's maybe even more weird than the PAL art for Mega Man 2 in North America. No, yes, he's right. It's so weird. It's like this guy with a silver robot and, like, a dildo arm... And like it's so weird. <laughs> oh man, no. like, he's as big as the mountain. Yeah, yeah, and he's got like a oh, man. He's got like the master system gummed, but it's all chrome. Like, yeah, there's just hella chrome in that art. That's yeah, I, so I don't know if they saw Mega Man that he was blue. They're just like, oh, okay, let's try and make this as sci-fi book cover as possible. Let's not even <laughs> try to emulate what he looks like on the game slightly. Holy like shit, a silver dude. Oh, did there you look drag- it up? Yeah, there were dragons in Mega Man 2. Yeah, there was a dragon. There's that, dragon. Dude, there's that one dragon boss uh, in uh, the very first Wily stage. Is a dragon robot. No, yeah, but this is, like just a, this is just a this is just a dragon. 
<laughs> this is not a dragon robot. This is just a blue dragon. I think they were just doing like someone saying, like, what can we put on the cover? I think there's a dragon in the game. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Do you want to, like a reference? See a picture? Of what? No, I'll just do one. And then if it looks like what it is in the game, then fine. I, I yeah, I I would I I will admit that the Mega Man Two art, you know, in North America is a lot does re- resemble the game a lot closer. I don't remember Quick Man ever throwing a barrel at me like he was Donkey Kong. Um, but <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't remember a stage with red rafters either. But yeah, yeah, it, it was that, like, that was Donkey Kong. It was, just, it was like the artist yeah. was just like, hmm, huh. man. Can't wait to finish this so I can go home and play Donkey Kong. <laughs> like <laughs> it just spilled over to into his art. I don't know um, if you see the PAL art for Mega Man 3, but it has this really creepy Dr. Wily. Like everything else is like pretty cut. Oh, cartoony. I haven't seen it. I want to look it up. Look man. up look up the Mega Man 3 PAL box art, but like everything else <laughs> is really cartoony. And there's just really creepy, realistic Dr. Wily. There it is. It looks really <laughs> He's staring know, at right? me with his cold, dead eyes. It's crazy. It's so like, weird. It's, it's everything like else. An is like an <laughs> Ewok? <laughs> no, it's like no. the old man. They've like drawn him as like this decrepit old man on the cover when everyone else is like a cartoony robot. Oh, man, I got to check that out. I remember Sonic 3D Blast also had like the weirdest box art, too. I think all the Sonic games had weird box art and pal. Yeah, they just have like a weird design to them, too. And then... You guys just love borders. Like, you put borders on shit, too. And, like, uh, the PlayStation logo is not on the side. It's on the bottom, I believe, for, like, the original PS1 games. I think so, yeah. But anyway, um, I don't know. I think it's just weird just because, like, the whole thing about uh, import gaming, as far as a curiosity, there's two things that kind of, like, really stem from it. One is getting something that you aren't like it just doing it because you can when when you, when there's games that you're curious about and then you know you kind of have to deal with the reality that we aren't going to get it then you know you kind of just take matters into your own hands and you do things that you're not exactly meant to do but there's another facet that like you know again that's why I really enjoyed Stevie being on the show cuz especially with pal differences aside um for example and and I'm about to go into that is cultural differences um Contra is an amazing example of that because, like, Contra yeah, Probotector, isn't it? Yeah, it's Probotector. It's fucking robots. Yeah. Well, they ch- I think it might have been too violent, which is why they changed it to robots or something. Because back in, I think back in that era, if you just changed anything to robots, then you were allowed to do whatever you want with it. Yeah, you they kind of like, like samurai jacked someone. everything. Yeah, much. like you could do the most violent things. Just oh, if you say he's a robot. I don't care if you're dismounting his limbs and he's screaming and shooting blood. If you just say, oh, it's a robot, it is okay. <laughs> and that's so why they, Doctor Who they, is so popular. Did they change the like, the character models in-game to make them robots, too? Yes. Or well, actually, yes. Probotector is harder than Contra because the sprites are slightly bigger. Yep. So if you're playing the PAL version of Contra, you're essentially playing on super difficult mode because there's more there's more space on your art so you can die easier it's harder to dodge things and they kept that all the way through the 16-bit era too it looks like apparently yeah and so basically we played a harder version you know just more hardcore than you i guess Sort I'm of an interesting, an interesting side note uh, when you think like Nintendo hard games Battletoads uh, in Japan was actually easier than the US version Yep, they gave you more lives, and I think it's fewer stages. 
They cut mm-hmm. out the stupid fucking motorbike bullshit. Hey, they they no, made they it didn't. shorter. <laughs> they made it short. Okay, so you know those uh, segments where you like went down into like the balls and then you had to hit the rock and jump and do all yeah. that? They they removed that in the Japanese version. It's like instead of five segments, it's three segments. I'm learning I remember so much I, on this episode. Yeah, other it, stuff as well. Like the American version of Mega Man Two just has one difficulty mode, and then they added an easy mode for America, and then made difficult mode the normal mode in Japan. Yeah, difficult mode is yeah Japan's just normal mode, which is uh, also strange. But like even then, like Doki Doki Panic, for example, like. Uh, Doki Doki Panic, like most people get just because there's like, uh, there's just really weird, um, sprite differences in not only just the fact that it's an Arabian family and it's actually mm. a little bit more graphic. Uh, funny enough, people, other than the fact that it's much easier and probably much more affordable than, you know, getting the alternative, un- you know, up until now, and if you have a Wii U. Uh, most people imported Mother 2 as opposed to playing Earthbound, and Mother 2 is insanely different. There's a lot, there's a lot more graphical uh, variations in, in stuff. I mean, Ness is in pajamas and Earthbound while he's completely naked with little doodle and all in uh, Mother <laughs> 2. I mean, there's just the cultural differences aside, kind of make importing really. Uh, Really unique. I don't know. There's there's other games where I swear, like I'm trying to think of something that's much more violent in Japan as opposed to um, the North American version that you Google wouldn't. Exp- 13. I've got. I think it's it's not really like in that era, but let's go back to Mega Man because I'm obsessed with Mega Man. But Mega Man uh, Zero for the uh, GBA, like if you. If you like slice the robots, they'll like shoot actual blood in the Japan version, but in the in the UK and US versions, it's just it's if either changed to something else or they just took out the splatter. But they're more violent games, and they still got a family rating in Japan as well, even though their robots bleeding <laughs> because they're robots. Um, last battle. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all right. This is the North Star, which is last battle in the Genesis. I kind of like the last battle version though because when you punch dudes they like fucking orbit out of the screen uh but if you punch them in the mega drive version they just explode into piles of blood and then everything that did bleed in the last battle was turned green um Mm. i don't know the cultural differences just kind of make things weird but even then i think import gaming it's almost non-existent now because now the market because there was such a dominance and then and again mostly I don't feel like cultural uh, differences kind of influence what gets imported now. It's mostly just sales numbers because now that it's such a diverse market, the video games have become like, I think this is the first time ever that Pokemon's getting a worldwide release. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, know, and yeah, that, that's unheard of. And I mean, it's important to not forget that importing, like when majorly up recently, is maybe have gone back down, but when the original... DS Lite. I don't know if the big DS is, but the DS Lite at least was region free, and everyone was, you know, getting the Japanese versions of the games because you didn't have to like have a tricked out console or a Japanese version of a console. You could literally just get the game and play it. Well, I mean, the Game Boy in specific, throughout its entirety, uh, up until I guess the DSi when it started in, uh, introducing region locks for the camera function, 
in the games. Um, they have all been region free, in fact. Uh, even the Virtual oh, wow. Boy is region free. Yeah. Oh, so you can get those sweet, sweet imported Virtual Boy games. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Vertical Forest is another example of the game being harder in Japan than in North America. And see, I don't know. It's it's really weird too because like there's a lot of political decisions that kind of go into importing now like for yeah, example some, sometimes i think license like tv licenses or like uh even studio licenses are a little different between the two sides so yeah like uh it, it's just so funny because i i feel like now publishers are listening to their audience like a i think a big a proponent of it was tatsunoko versus capcom i mean tatsunoko for the most part i mean other than fucking science ninja and samurai pizza cats like has almost little to no existence in North America, and yet well, people... Gacha Man as well. well yeah, it's Science Ninja. Yeah. Uh, no, no, wait. Are you? You mean Yatterman? No, no, no. Battle of the Planets. Yeah, there's Science so many. Ninja. It has so many different names. I guess we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, Science Ninja. <laughs> and each name is a different show. In a sense, almost he is like just from localization, depending. Yep. But yeah, other than that, and then fucking Samurai Pizza Cats. Like that—that's essentially it. Um, fucking, and yet it was imported. Like that was, like I remember when we first started Press Pause Radio. Andrew could not stop fucking talking about that game, and it—it—it it, it compelled me very strongly. Compelled me to uh, Im- get an import Wii just so I can play it. And then finally, when Capcom said they were going to bring it to the states, I was just like, all right. And you know, it, it's just that sort of thing where. We were talking about it earlier, like Namco cross Capcom was uh, one of those unique experiments to where like, let's do a cross. And, you know, licenses like I don't know, I think like Japan kind of banks on its licenses in a way where it they, they, they have a completely different philosophy for marketing as to where um, I don't know. Again, that kind of just banks and, and flies around all the that cultural difference um, aspect of that sort of thing. But. Yeah, that that whole thing, just the, the concept of a crossover fighting meets RPG game, I guess, it, even though like the PS2 had such a veritable library, they just didn't see eye to eye on releasing that. And I, I think there was also some conflict as to who would publish it. And there was even some like fallout between Namco and Capcom, which funny enough, I mean, is non-existent now, but back in that time. And then we didn't think like, oh, that, that thing is too fucking Japanese. Project Cross Zone, like. I don't know if we're going to get that. And, you know, also earlier this podcast, too, we mentioned Catherine when we were talking about Atlas. Um, Catherine wasn't even going to fucking come out to North America. You know what influenced that whole thing happening is that people actually created Japanese PSN accounts just so they can download and play the demo. Like, oh, yeah. Atlas yep, paid yeah. attention to that. And I that's did what... that. Well, Atlas are always good as at paying attention to things. Like, Persona is such a niche series that you wouldn't expect it outside of Japan, but because they handle it well and they don't try and sell it for anything, you know, else than what it is, they get this niche market and they make some money off the of the games that they do bring over. If you go back and you listen to me talking about Catherine Two, I was a hundred and ten percent certain it would never see the light of day in North America. Yeah, I was I was kind of on that ship too. I mean, I thought I was a little too weird, but it happened. I mean. And for what it did, it was a fun experiment. It didn't work out here, but I believe it did pretty well natively. Or oh, I don't know, it, it, it did, did it well did, enough, man. I love that game. It it's did great. well here. It did well here. They, it was their, it's their best-selling game they've released stateside. Huh. 
I didn't even know it did. I, like, I just know critically it wasn't like, like it's weird. People have a love hate relationship with that game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but you know, it, it's just funny that, uh, and, and then the publishers that work to, to try and bring these games, almost importing what's funny enough, importing now hurts them. Like, for example, Atlas, uh, region locked Persona 4 Arena. Because at this point, the American dollar is weaker than the Japanese yen. So any, any imports that people would have done towards Persona 4 Arena, would have actually gone against any sales that they would have come to see. So they were that worried about the sales of Persona 4 Arena, which, funny enough to me, i that's the one thing I think that I always laugh about import. In, in Japan, you should clarify, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Japanese sales is what they were most concerned about. I, oh, yeah, thank you. That's that's what I meant. Um, but it's just funny to me that um, most like we've been talking about cultural differences and curiosity or just importing what we don't get. But remember when we used to import just out of impatience? <laughs> like I'm not sure that I've ever done that, to be honest. Oh, no. We had this rich kid that we were only <laughs> friends with him because he was rich. And we totally convinced this poor guy to fucking, like, buy a Nintendo 64 just so <laughs> we could, like, play Super Mario 64. And, like, no joke. The moment the Nintendo 64 came out, like, he was rich. So he fucking he bought one, like an American one. And, like, he would always want to come over and play games with us. And, like, I'd be the only guy that would let him over. All my asshole friends who used him as well did not fucking <laughs> did not play along. But I remember even in school, there was that one weird fucking kid that, like, played Super Mario Brothers 3 before anybody else because he figured out that Gyro might had a Famicom converter inside of it. And he fucking did some duct tape jerry rig. And he, and he, and he just had to play it before anybody else. And like I said, import... Importing that that kind of aspect of importing is almost dead now, not completely, but I mean, it's just weird now. It's it's a lot easier because now we're in the digital age. I mean, we, we all have Japanese PSN accounts, for example. So like uh, I have Galgun. I bought Galgun from my PSN account. I mean, I to be honest, I really should delete it and just buy a copy of it because that thing is like fucking 17 gigabytes. Oh, so. Shit. Yeah, it's fucking. I don't. I have a five hundred. Clear, clear that shit off and get Einhander instead. I was never a fan of Einhander. We've talked about this. Oh, you're such a heretic. I'm not a heretic. It's just it's an overrated shoot 'em up. I don't think it is. You are you are the authority. I am the authority. Yeah, it's one of the few shoot 'em ups I like. Well, there you go. See, if James likes it, it's gotta be good. <laughs> he likes it. He likes it. <laughs> um, I'll take your word for it. But I've kind of like, even then, like, I think the whole appeal of importing when it comes down to it is, I mean, you kind of don't get something because of differences of culture. But to me, I just, like I said, I, it's kind of like when you go out and eat, you want you want to just kind of have a, an open palate of things. And I've been like, I've been wanting to get an Amiga 32 and I've been wanting to get uh, an Amiga CD32 and a ZX Spectrum. And, like, just looking at all those weird fucking games, and again, even then seeing their variations, like I said, I have Probovector, or I, I don't know how to pronounce it, Probector? Probotector, I think it is. Probotector, yeah. Probotector, okay, well... That's right. There we go. Yeah, so I have those that, like, uh, I fucking pretty much just pop into my, my Super NES, because uh, I was able to fucking get it to play PAL games, 
weirdly enough. it doesn't play them right though because PAL systems are clocked like weirdly at a faster it's, speed. Um, so yours are faster. Well, the thing yeah. with imports is that it's it's uh, easier because it would be the difference between PAL and NTSC was a physical difference. It was it was something to do with the TVs and the way it was converted. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like an arbitrary thing that they put on the game. It was an actual physical difference in the way uh, that the TVs connected. Fifty hertz in PAL, sixty hertz in yeah. NTSC. Yeah. So it's either very hard to convert, convert, or just just you can't convert it at all. But oh, nowadays, actually, yeah, like it's it's really easy just to sort of go in and put a dip switch on it. Actually, it's oh, is it? Oh, yeah. but I'm saying there, like there, it's, there are people that do it. But now you don't even need to do that. Like now, exactly. everything can pretty much play at the region lock is pretty much on the game. Well, actually, yeah, uh, yeah. There is one Super NES that has a region lock chip, and that one is drum roll, Terranigma. Yeah, the game's really good too. I had to get a repro of that one. <laughs> I'm also um another game that was changed culturally was Elite Beat Agents because that's oh, an yeah. entirely new game. In in America, it's called I forgot, it's called Osu Takei Odan uh, or something like that. Yeah, Osu Takei Odan. Okay, right. But the thing is, that game is completely different songs. It's completely different characters and plot. So what Elite B Agents is is essentially just they took the concept of that game and, and redid made the it awesome. Yeah, yeah. Is they changed it to because um, I think it was because cheer squads aren't really a thing. Um, in the west, no, but like weird, <laughs> fucking suited, sunglass wearing yeah, dudes. Yeah, FBI agents. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's... they thought, okay, how could we? This game's too Japanese. They're not going to know what a cheer squad is. We have to have to remake the whole game with different songs and different characters and stuff. What? How, what's American? I don't know. FBI agents. Mulder, <laughs> Scully, get on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you got to look at the uh, like the United States has such a, a huge conspiracy uh, sort of culture behind it. Right. It's no wonder that the Japanese view the FBI as uh, as an overly pervasive part of uh, of American culture. Right. So, yeah. Well, let's go forward for a second, because let's see. Here's here's the weird thing about everything at this moment. Um, we're kind of the dominant hemisphere in, com- in terms of video games. I mean, the PS4 isn't even hitting Japan until February. Right. Which is really fucking weird. I, I so, wouldn't say that, but that's... I'd say I'd say Europe is the dominant in video games at the moment. Well, in development, not... Development, not, yes, yeah. No, I mean, like, mar- market, market-wide, I think that they're, they're kind of one of the more important markets to both Sony and Microsoft going forward next generation. That's gonna be that's what's gonna be the big battleground is gonna be Europe. Well, I mean Sony and what's funny is Sony's got like the handheld market kinda down there. Well not not in Japan. I mean well that's what I meant in Japan, but like Nintendo's got it there, but like Sony's giving them real competition with the Vita. Like the Vita's doing really well um in Japan. Which is why is I thought I thought because of the lack of Monster Hunter, it was really losing. <laughs> no, Soul Sacrifice kind of filled that void, and then like all the stuff that's coming out, and like, well, the Vita has games now. Like, see, fucking basically, <laughs> what the Wii U like would do a lot better with. But um, yeah, just I I feel like um considering that that we're more of the dominant, and and just like the way I don't know. Either way, it's not Japan. 
and even then with Europe, Europe more or less there there's not a whole lot exclusive that goes there. It, 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 weirdly, there is, but I, I think the point that I'm trying to get is what's the future of importing? I mean, I don't really see. I mean, Microsoft is touting that they're going to put a lot more focus in in their Japanese market. Which, to be honest, they said that shit with the 360, and they even mm-hmm. said that shit with the original. So I really take it with a grain and, of salt. Well, I mean, they they did though with both uh, with both systems. It's just that they weren't worldwide available. Uh, I mean, the proof is in the pointing with stuff like uh, everything that Cave puts out, for example, the most hardcore kind of shooting games that you'll find on the planet or on Xbox 360, and a lot of them didn't actually come out here. Um, with the Xbox One and the PS4, both systems are now going to be completely region-free. So that will allow people to bring over any games that they want to bring over, as long as they're able to understand them for full effect. Uh, RPGs, for example, are going to be less uh, less imported than... Uh, than shooters, just because the language barrier is a lot easier on the shooters. And to be honest, think, JRPGs aren't really a thing anymore. They're not anymore, yeah. That's that's a big thing, too. But I think more and more, we're going to see that uh, that imports are going to be relegated mostly to availability. If you don't have it over here and you want to play it, bring it over, play it, problem solved. You I know think what I think? All... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it might all rely on physical items like special editions and stuff like because Mm. importing is so easy with amazon and ebay you can essentially find anything you want to if you're willing to pay pay a lot for it like i i think that it's going to be more not about the game but like in japan like sometimes you get a special edition that's crazy and there's so many like little things that you don't get over here and it's like you're barely lucky to get the game over here let alone crazy special editions Mm. with like figures and stuff so I think it might be just if you really like the game and you want it's going to uh, be a super hobbyist venture. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, like if you want a physical item from it, then that would be it. Not not the game itself necessarily. Well, I mean, like, look likewise at, uh, with Europe as well. I mean, Persona 4 Arena, for example, had the vinyl, the yellow vinyl, vinyl record for the soundtrack, right? We didn't yeah. get that over here. So people and, uh, are just gonna that and pre-order items and stuff. The stat, the yeah, statue yeah. for Injustice, the European version was had a much better statue for their super edition than the American version did, in my opinion. They get different statues for their shit too. Yeah. So I think that might just be like for a completion. It's just like, oh, I want the even though I own the game, I want the special edition that came I, in Japan. I guess what I'm asking is, is, do you think it's just gonna? I think it's gonna die next generation beyond so it's going to be so arbitrary that i mean what is importing like there's going to be w- less and less of a distinction that's retro- basically like you guys see that i'm just saying in the next generation i think retro stuff is still going to be imported that's going to be the big thing too because yeah. like i mean in my case specifically i'm really hating the way that the market is sort of shaping up and as a result like i said like i got my famicom now that i've got the famicom i can start getting the 30 years of games that i missed from uh a region where you know they got a lot more games than we did, and a lot of them didn't come out over here. So, you know, I learn a language, I play new games. It's a win-win. Does the Retcon play Famicom stuff too? And yes, yeah. yeah so I mean that that might I mean I, I might be putting too much stock in that thing, but that what's thing can really help. cool is you know why it got delayed so they can program uh, power-based compatibility so you can play Master System games on it because you can mm-hmm. plug that into Sweet. the Genesis slot. It's re- that, like that thing's gonna be fucking stupid awesome when it comes out. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm not. I'm not big into aftermarket consoles, but I will buy that. 
I think importing might just sort of remain like a special case deal because you never really know what they're going to change because some things are always going to be changed for cultural differences more or less and sometimes things do come out early so I think maybe if it's like a year gap between releases or if there's something special about that version then importing will become a thing but it will it will it will be less you know about everything and more encompassed on you know when it comes around just you know when it happens I, I kind of like also, the like uh, to sort of touch on the sort of collectability part of it. I think also if you want to save some money, import importing could also help you out. For example, I did a little bit of research earlier today, and uh, we just did a play play on press pause here for Ducktales two. Uh, NES cartridges right now on eBay are going from anywhere from one hundred and eighty to two hundred dollars card only. On the uh, Famicom, however, you can snag your copy of DuckTales 2 for 25 bucks. Yep. Uh, Rescue Rangers 2 is the same sort of thing, but not maybe not as extreme. Uh, $150 card only from the ones that I could find, and then Famicom, uh, $50 to $70 card only. Yeah. So it's just, again, it, it all really goes to, like, uh, shit, Mother 2. We kind of, we, again those sort of aspects. I think the best system that handled importing, like, I, I think is novel and no other system has done it, is the Neo Geo. The Neo yes. Geo AES, if you bought Japanese carts for it, it would automatically translate them into English. What? Just, no way. That's yeah. amazing. It had a BIOS that kind of worked, and it's the opposite. So, if you put American carts into the Japanese AES, it would translate them into Japanese. Yeah, that's the only reason I never imported is because the only thing I cared to import was RPGs when I want I cared uh, when I wanted to import, and it's just that I never did because I I wouldn't be able to read them, and that's so what that I care. Mean, does that mean that they would have to translate a game even if they didn't have any plans on it coming stateside? Uh, I think there are some that that rule doesn't apply to, like the ones that didn't come stateside. I don't think do that. All oh, right. Yeah, because like the AES was supported into until 2006, so like there 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 are rules to where the hold on crash. My cat, my cat's just <laughs> making noises. I think I think we've kind of talked about everything we can talk about import wise. I I think it's gonna die. I think there's there's gonna be a dis, there's a very thin distinction to where it's gonna be dumb to really point it out. But I mean, it, yeah, it's gonna come down to like you know, special editions and whatnot, but I kind of see, because video games is such, it's a little bit more of a worldwide market, and there are niche publishers that like, strive to bring those games out, they're very f and like, not only that, Sarah mentioned it himself, I mean, games are region free it's it's almost like, there there's almost like this subculture to importing to where you have to get the hardware, you have to get something well, you have to Nintendo go out of your is... way Nintendo is pretty ass backwards on that too. Region locking the the, the 3DS and the uh, and the Wii U. Kind of. Oh, the Wii U is region locked. Yeah, it is. Did not know that. Well, there were people demanding on like um, what's it called? The forums that they have on the Wii U. Operation Rainbow. Amiiverse. Thank you. Yeah, the Miiverse. Yeah, but people were like doing pictures of Miiverse and trying to almost kind of petition Nintendo into doing that, but they're staying strong on that. Hey, buddy, you're okay. My fucking cat, man, he's just going nuts. Anyway, does, uh, does Japan have an indie game market? Kind of yes, like it how does. We do here? Funny enough, actually, um, it's kind of where it started. Dojin games out there can get crazy expensive too. Yeah, uh, the, the term is dojin. Uh, they can get up to like a hundred bucks. 
the Dojin game scene is also being headed by uh, one of my favorite fucking people that I love running into, and he's a good dude, James Milky. He's like pioneering like more and more attention and emphasis towards the indie game scene. But yeah, the dude behind Cave Story is doing Jiro Shooter. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that stupid dumb fighting game that Sarah's into. Yatagarasu. Yeah, there we go. Uh, which is now being translated into Legend of Raven yeah. <laughs> for North American <laughs> release. Oh, that is uh, so they... Legend of Raven. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I don't know. I'm looking forward to doing the app, but like, like almost, it's almost like what is import gaming anymore? If anything, you're just playing a different version. I don't know. There's a culture that's behind it that I feel like is going to get lost in this next generation with how convenient and instantaneous video games However, become. I don't know. I think I, I'm going to disagree with that statement, being that because the uh, the systems are going to be region-free, you still have to import the games from the other regions to begin with. So even like as long as there's software that's not available in other regions, there will be import gaming. Well, it depends. Right. I mean, if you can log into a into an account on a different, like if all like so we're saying like next gen, every game that comes out is going to have a digital download copy day one that comes out. That's what both companies are pretty much getting at. So yeah. if if you can just log into a Japanese PSN account or a Japanese Xbox account, you can just download it. Okay, so download only titles notwithstanding. If there's a physical media associated with the games that people want to have to tangibly say, okay, here's the game, there it is on my shelf, you are going to see people importing the games, and thus the import scene will still survive. Yeah, because sometimes it's just nice to have a physical copy of something you like, like a manifestation of it. Sometimes it's nice to own things you don't need. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's go ahead. This is the end episode. Episode in. All right. Well, if you enjoyed Press Pause Radio... 78? Yeah, 78. If you enjoyed Press Pause Radio episode 78, uh, you can definitely subscribe to us on iTunes, listen for us on Stitcher, and you can follow us on Twitter as well. You can fan us on Facebook. Yeah, we've got forums that are going up. And something new, we're pushing videos. Uh, we're going to have a new video out next week and another new video out, hopefully, depending on how fast we can work our, our poor little Sarah, because he's also got Bullet Heaven and stuff on the side. But yeah, you can definitely subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, follow us on Twitch. I, I have like uh, a stream in mind, but yeah, once I get that fucking equipment, uh, we're going to have ourselves a grand old fucking Grand Theft Auto 5 play play. So... Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna get get in some fucking fun there as soon as I can get some shit going. So that's gonna be uh, pretty fun to get in on. Um, on the top on the topic of import gaming, I also have a couple of new additions that are gonna be uh, added to the Studio Mud Prints repertoire. Uh, of course, Bullet Heaven Season Five is gearing up for uh, late October launch because I'm on hiatus right now and I'm going to go visit my fucking parents and have some good food for a week and then I'll, uh, you know, get to work when I get back. But also, we are expanding Bullet Heaven into what I'm calling the Tengoku series or Heaven series. Uh, And we're going to be doing our first episode of something called Import Heaven, which is going to focus on import games um, uh, for various systems. Uh, I have a number. I think I've got like eight... um, import systems right now so there's plenty of stuff to go through um and of course uh some of you already know but uh for those of you who don't uh i'm working on developing my own podcast actually it's called uh spent ammo it's going to focus mostly on 
shooting games, but also other stuff like, of course, the import games and other stuff that we're playing at this time. That'll be me and Dayaruna doing that. So uh, look forward to that coming very soon. And James has got his own little podcast that's we're gonna be we're gonna start putting up on the feed soon. It's already on iTunes, but you you spin that, James. What's it called? It, it's uh, it's called Critical Fail, a Pathfinder podcast. Me, Andy, and a bunch of other people just play Pathfinder and not even really play Pathfinder more as talk about movies and games and comic books and other things as we attempt to play Pathfinder. So it's a it's a grand old time. We're on episode 7. Episode 7 just came out this week, so uh, please rate and subscribe. Like, rate and subscribe. Like. Um, and other than that, I mean, we've got lots of other reviews. Price Power Radio is kind of evolving into a network because Stevie's also uh, working on relaunching Indiedrome. Yeah, so. it's going to be it's going to be reworked a lot um, and it's going to come out more frequently as well so stay tuned for that. So, so many podcasts are basically starting to hit the site next year and we've, and we've got video stuff, reviews and uh, yeah other than that I'm trying to think of more house cleaning um, if you guys again talk to us on our Facebook let us know uh, we haven't been doing select feedback for time reasons, but I swear one of these days I think we'll just have a select feedback episode. That would be nice. I think we just do that. That might work out. But um, yeah, we got Star Tropics on the way, Grand Theft Auto Five uh, on the way as well this week. And then what's another weird fucking game that we did, Sarah? I don't know. We we recorded a couple videos in advance. Hellfire. Yeah, we got Hellfire on the way too. So we got. You got plenty of that. And then, I also want to do Air Fortress, because that's a, an awesome game. There we go. It's a weird shit. Weird shit you didn't know about, you didn't care about, but we'll, we'll convince you to. So, we've got, oh yeah, we got Skull Monkeys and Neverhood that uh, we're going to try to do with Rob Rich. So, tons of stuff. Come come talk to us. And everybody's been wanting us to hop back in Steam and, and do something in Steam. We're either going to do that, or we're going to try League of Legends again. I don't know. Me and Andrew are kind of discussing the... Uh, the the variables but i'm tired everybody's tired i think it's episode in oh can i just can i just sorry can i um plug my own podcast while we're here oh yes please i forgot Um, i'm fucking rude i would like i would like to plug the sega addicts kids table we've been trying to get regular episodes of that if you like your podcasts a bit more profane and not about sega than they should be then you'd probably like it um, it's on iTunes, Sega Addicts Kids Table or Podbean, sagraddictskidstable.podbean.com There we go. I'll listen to it. Everybody, give it a listen. But, uh, other than that, good fight, good night. Georgie Boy X. Original Sarah. James and I'm out. Stevie Grant. <laughs> <laughs>